You're listening to episode 56 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Yesterday we saw Brandon Routh, Val Kilmer, Grant Gustin, Roman Reigns, and Linda Carter team up against the threat of the White Martians with the help of Hot Girl and the Martian Manhunter in Justice League the movie. And it was a movie, all right. Man, that would be a better movie than the one I saw. (laughs) (laughs) Well, gosh, guys, let's not give everything away in the first 10 seconds of our show, you know? Jesus. Yeah, what are we, Phil, during sex? (laughs) (laughs) So we're back for another one of these things we call the Comics Pals. Uh, Obviously, we live in a post-Justice League world. Uh, It's an interesting world. Uh, and we'll get into that stuff a little bit later when we do our review. Um, needless to say, though, it's an experience. It's an experience, and uh, I'm glad I had it. Um, You're making a real hard stand there. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely a movie, and I definitely watched it. I did, yeah. <laughs> I did. I- I'm alive. Hot takes over here. Yeah, I... Uh, I- I went through a lot to see this movie. I, I, I went to the theater and saw it at 10 at night and paid to see it in IMAX, oh, which I had no intentions oh. of doing. I love IMAX, but listen. But like, God, they're like 10 bucks more, aren't they? It's it's eight, it's uh, $6 more. Uh, okay. Now, I only do that for special movies, right? Uh, Are you implying Justice League isn't special? It is Man, special. Man, I went in... I went into this movie knowing I wasn't going to do anything special for this movie. This movie's lucky I got a drink and popcorn for it. Listen, Kale, this isn't your time to bash the movie. We're not bashing, all right? I'm simply telling you. Look, I'm just saying I have a scale for how I plan to watch the movie. I spent se- what is that I scale? spent seven fifty on this ticket for a seven forty five showing, and I paid seven dollars for a drink and popcorn. No, that's not true. The last part's not true. That was Kale Scale, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so let's let's address two things. Number one, you just lied on the podcast, okay? <laughs> so you're a confirmed liar. Uh, <laughs> fucking fake news, yeah. Kale. Number two. Hold on. I paid it. Hold on. Go ahead. We've been we've been doing this for how many episodes? Fifty seven? Six. Six. Fifty six episodes. Now he doesn't even know how many episodes we've done. Look at that. Can you believe this, Sean? Can you believe this? Unreal. I'm, I, it's straight canon that I'm a liar. it's on my character sheet the kale of justice is tipping here did you just say kale of justice we're done we're done the show's over wait oh my god do you guys remember that shot from the trailer where wonder woman was standing on top of the kale of justice i loved it oh now i'd watch that movie the other part that i wanted to point out was that you paid seven dollars i paid $23 $23 to see Justice League. And I paid $23 twice because I took my girlfriend. So let's let's not even get into all of that because that's ridiculous, all right? Uh, I, I, I didn't get out of the theater until 1 in the morning. And I didn't get home until 2. So I had a long night with Justice League and a lot of time to think about what I saw. And so I'm going to grace everybody with the thoughts that I had during that period a little later in the show. Um, however, right now, not right now. However, um, if you want to find us, we're all over the internet. Um, you can do so 
First of all, by reaching out to us on iTunes, you can leave us a rating on there. We're five star rated podcast. That's never going to change. Um, for a few reasons. Uh, and, and let's not, you know, let's not deliberately change it either, you know? Um, <laughs> you can also. It'll never change unless you guys want to fuck with us. Right. Don't do that. That's rude. Um, save your negative reviews for Justice League. If you can also find us on all other podcast hosting platforms. Uh, including SoundCloud, which you guys tend to favor. So continue to check us out on there. Uh, we are at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. And you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on Justice League uh, and which Justice League character was your favorite if you have seen the movie. If you haven't, then don't write to us at all because you are living in the past. Um, last but not least, we are on YouTube uh, where you can like this video Leave us a comment, share it with your friends, and subscribe to the channel. Help us get to 100 subscribers. That's the goal. Let's do that. Uh, if we could do that by the new year, that'd be really cool. I like like new year, new pals, you know? Uh, and getting to 100 subscribers brand. would do that for us. So make that your... Give, give the pals the gift of 100 subscribers. Uh, so let's do let's do our buy or sell for the week. Hold let's on, jump right into it. What's up? I was just uh, looking at our reviews just because I do it every now and then just to see if there are any new ones. There's one from October eighth, uh, twenty seventeen, five stars, titled "Incredible Analysis." Here's the text. Phil sounds very cute. <laughs> I wonder who wrote that. <laughs> Nick Thunderbender. I don't know who that is. <laughs> so wherever you are, Nick, here's a little uh, Phil soundbite for you. I'm on the spot now. Listen, Nick, I'm Phil Casey, and I'm here to tell you that my opinions on everything are absolute and the best. Keep on listening, baby. Wait, wait, real quick. Give him a, just rub your beard on the mic a little bit, too. Oh, that's good stuff. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll, CG that? we'll CGI that in there, and it'll be... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, here's our buy or sell. In, in the spirit of Justice League, since we're celebrating that, that film... You better be uh, real careful how you ask this question. You don't even know the question, Jack. I'm just, I'm just saying... <laughs> No, 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 Sean, it, Kale. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, my God, dude, he was drinking water, why would you do that? <laughs> I just watched Sean almost destroy his microphone. <laughs> oh, oh, man, man. This, this episode's about to crash. <laughs> okay, all right, so here's the question, here's the buy or sell. If you could only read stories about one member of the Justice League that appeared in the movie, which member would it be? So you can only read Ooh. stories about one individual. The other stories do not exist. There are no more stories ever for that for those characters. So are these the versions from the movie or are these like just the just just the comics? You can only read stories about these characters in the comics. Oh, uh, Wonder Woman. Why? Um, I think she has the most to offer out of all the characters, like personally, um, like in the movie and outside. Definitely in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely in the movie. Um, and she's just like a strong, like a super strong character and one that you can, it's sometimes like 
uh, you can kind of relate to in certain senses based off like books I've read and then just like stuff I've seen in the movie. That's it. Okay. Okay. I think I'm going to say The Flash. I actually felt like you would. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, it, it's grinding against my, uh, my more Batman sensibilities. Like, I think I've read more, uh, Batman stories that were probably better. Like, I think Batman typically has better stories, but I think the Flash is a little more long ranging in the things that he can do. How about you, PD? I really don't know. I'm torn between any one of the Trinity because I feel like I don't, I I feel like I've read great stories about each of them. And I think like the reason that they are the Trinity is because they have so much potential for, you know, good superhero storytelling. So it's like hard to pick one of as just like the best of the best. Like I, I feel like I'm inclined to say Wonder Woman, but I feel like that's because I read a lot of Wonder Woman this year in preparation for the movie and like, you know, I'm high on her because of the movie and Justice League. So like that feels like a knee jerk answer, but that's kind of like where that's kind of where I went with it. So since it's not an easy choice, I think I'm going to stick with my gut on this one and say Wonder Woman. All right, Nick, listen, listen closely. (laughs) All right, listen up, Nikki. (laughs) This may not come as a surprise to you, but my choice, Steppenwolf. (laughs) Sack of shit. He's the Justice League MVP. I know everyone is saying he's the best because it's the truth. Probably the best representation of a supervillain we've ever gotten. Ever! Man, he he was one horny villain, I tell you what. (laughs) Just like you, Kale. How dare you? No, I'm definitely picking Superman. Like, he's my boy. Yeah, of course. He's my boy, Blue. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Uh, for me, it's I mean, it's got to be Batman. Uh, I obviously have read a ton of Batman over the years, and I would love to continue to do that. If I couldn't do that, I'd be devastated. Uh, so Batman, I could sacrifice all of those other characters easily without even thinking about it for more Batman. You're not wearing hockey pads. You're right. <laughs> Actually, right. Okay. <laughs> You're actually right. <laughs> wow, what a shock. I mean, it's not often that Phil's right on this show. so Or that Sean doesn't wear hockey pads. <laughs> <laughs> Horny Kale. Is that, that going to be a thing now? Because I don't want to think of Kale as aroused. Man, I don't either. Especially because we also like to think of him as a grandpa. And there's nothing fun about a horny grandpa. Master Roshi. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah, Kale is kind of a Kale is kind of a Master Roshi figure. Turtle Hermit. He never taught me how to do no Kamehameha's though. It's cuz you're not the chosen one, dickless. Wow. What the fuck? <laughs> he taught it to every Tom, Dick and Harry. And also I my dick is fully functional. I'll have you know, Kale. All right, Lieutenant Data. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, this is turning into an entirely different show, and to avoid that, we're going to do some pals pulls. Uh, so we're going to start with Pete, who is looking forward to quite a few books this week. Uh, both Marco and Pete are looking forward to Snot Girl number eight. Yes. <sighs> yeah. And I just like, I, 
I just wish more people read this book. Honestly, I have a, I have a real I have a real fear it's not going to make it past this arc, and I really really like it. Yeah. So I don't know if you're if you're if you ever enjoyed Scott Pilgrim, go give this one a shot, please, because it's critically acclaimed and not not so great in the sales department. So uh, you also chose Rat Queens number six. Yeah, uh, I I shouted out Rat Queens a while ago again, where it's like a, a series I really love and have a weird relationship with. Uh, I still haven't gotten back to it, but I've heard a lot of good things about the current run from uh, front of the show, Matt Murphy. And I, every time I see a new issue of it, I like keep getting the the grind to go back to it. So I think I'm finally gonna get to just go grab some of the leftovers at one of my LC LCB L, comic book stores, <laughs> and uh, and and try to catch up. All right. Uh, you also chose. Superman American Alien trade paperback. Yeah, this book I I think I've talked about it on the show before. I was a huge fan of American Alien. Um it's written by uh Max Landis who's primarily known as a screenwriter, um but you know, he also was is known as being a big Superman fan because of his YouTube um video. I forget what it's called, but he has like this whole thing about um the death and return of Superman, I think. And uh, you know, he finally got his shot to write the character and I think he did a really good job with it. Um it, it gets a lot of what I think's like important about the core of Superman, right? Uh and definitely is like kind of a fun young Superman story and it's self-contained in its own universe. So there's no it's not bogged down with any kind of continuity or anything like that. So if that's something that sounds appealing to you, um I would definitely highly recommend it. I thought it was a great read. It's only six issues, so pretty pretty brisk. Phil, have you read that? I uh I bought it last summer and I haven't read it yet. Cool. I'll buy it and then we can read it. I want to read it. I mean Oh, let's do a book club. I would totally reread that shit. I love that book. All right. It's short. Fucking all right. Cool. You heard it here. Uh, and then Marco and Pete also chose, or and Kale actually, all chose Void Trip number one. Hell yeah! Yeah, baby! Shoutouts. Shoutouts to our boys, uh, Ryan O'Sullivan and uh, Clyde Klaus. Yeah. Um, go check out the interview we did with them about the book. Uh, we got to read issue one. We loved it. I'm buying it to support it, and because I want that issue one, you know, I'm sure I'll read it again, but... Um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, like, they used, uh, my pull quote in the marketing. I said it was one of the best comics I read this year. Like, I, you know, I stand by that. Yeah. Uh, we are huge fans of those guys. And that's a book that even though I didn't necessarily choose it, I will be picking up and I am excited to have in my hands. So, uh, now Phil and I, we, cho- to be honest, we chose the only book that really matters. Goddamn um, drum roll. Doomsday Clock number one is upon us. It drops this week. We are insanely excited for it. They're releasing it on Tuesday night. And I'm going to try to get to Midtown Comics in order to pick that up. Because this is the most monumental release easily of the, you know, of this decade. Uh, so... I just can't wait for it. We've talked a lot about it. We're going to talk a lot more about it when it comes out. Um, Phil, what are your words? The clock strikes midnight, my friend, because doomsday is upon us. And what else is there to say? Uh, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank are among the best creative teams of all time. And this book looks huge. I mean, I understand people have apprehension about the Watchmen, but the reality is this is a love letter. This is not a cash-in. 
And this is an opportunity to do something really meaningful with the DC universe and the Watchmen. So give it a chance because, like Sean said, this is the event of the decade. Yep. Uh, also want to shout out colorist Brad Anderson, who is working on this book with the dynamic duo. Um, he's fantastic. So just want to make sure that, that that's known. Uh, we've read the first six pages. They're out. They're consumable. If you are in doubt about what this series is going to be, you can go check those out for yourself. Um, real quick, I want to ask you guys, do you anticipate that this first issue is going to live up to the hype? The first issue? Yeah, the no. first issue. Not really. Probably not, but it's okay. It's a setup issue. Yeah. I I think your mileage is going to vary. You know, I think some people are going to... Some people are going to be satiated by this. I think, especially if they haven't already seen the first six pages. I think there, you know, there's already kind of a cool moment there that I think will be a pop for some fans. And I'm sure there are other moments like that in the book. Um, but I think cynical comic fans are cynical comic fans. And there's going to be people who complain about the first issue, even if they are satisfied with the entire project. Because, you know... I think first issues are oftentimes a tough sell. You know, like sometimes it is really hard to meaningfully set up what's going on and also deliver on a really satisfying issue that isn't just kind of laying groundwork. Um, but I feel like that's a little easier with these characters because like we have history with them. So I don't know. I, I honestly think it's going to, I think it's going to be good. I think it's a tough sell for a lot of people. And it's not going to please everyone because of the concept. That's true, too. I think that this first issue actually already has lived up to the hype. Uh, especially if we're talking about on a personal level. The first six pages are, are masterful. Um, rarely do you get to read a comic where the creators have so obviously put so much effort into every single detail that you get to see. And that's apparent in the first six pages. And that's all they showed us. So I can only imagine what the rest of the book is like. Um, for anyone who's not really up to speed, you could definitely read this, I think, as its own project. Uh, definitely read Watchmen if you've never read that. Um, but you'll probably need to read Rebirth number one and The Button. Otherwise, I think you're pretty good. Just to go in. Do you Pretty self-contained. Do you have to read the button for that? Or is that just like, for like added context? I think it's added context. Okay. So the button has, if the button has more to do with, uh, uh, flashpoint, it has more to do with flashpoint than it does with before, uh, uh with doomsday clock. So, Button is kind of like an addendum to Flashpoint, which is a, an old story at this point, but it's still worth your while if you care. If you don't, if you don't have time, if you don't have money, whatever, you can go into Doomsday Clock dry. The only thing you have to know is who these characters are. You obviously are going to know all the DC characters, so if you've read Watchmen, you're good to go. Yeah, cool. that's really it. Yep. Uh, so again, we'll be talking about that more next week when it does drop, but... Uh, Looking forward to that book quite a bit. So, uh, let's jump into the news here. We've got some some news to talk about. Uh, first, uh oh. First, Deadpool two 
got a trailer release this week. Uh, it's an interesting trailer because it doesn't contain a ton of footage from the actual movie. Uh, what did you guys think of this trailer? I loved it. It was uh, it was a really good parody. Um, like for for Bob Ross, and I, I think uh, like the way that they played with like the artwork in the background, like a lot of the just like the stuff that they did was really funny. Um, and I'm kind of glad that they didn't include like footage from the movie. Uh, I feel like Deadpool is a character where you don't really need that because his whole thing is like. Or like a, a part of him is him being like meta or whatever and like breaking that fourth wall and being able to interact with audiences and then so him being able to reach out into that pop culture and just um then make them like just a trailer based on that um i think it's cool the parts where they actually introduced like the movie kind of threw me off because i was like oh i guess it is a, it's still a trailer trailer um but other than that i thought it was it was good it was funny i i will say i, I definitely agree with um with your point about, I like that Deadpool's marketing and the the character lends itself to having trailers that are actually like unique pieces of content versus like spoiling the entire movie for me in a trailer. Um, yeah. We got a lot yeah. of cuts of all over from the movie, but like most of it was just this uh, surprisingly long bit, you know, and like I, th- I thought it was funny at first. I thought it overstayed its welcome a little bit. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought it was a good trailer. I, I much prefer that kind of trailer to the standard superhero or, or blockbuster fare for sure. So I'm probably in the minority in that I didn't really care for this all that much. I definitely laughed. I thought there were some funny moments, but, uh, I'm not really here for this. You know, if I'm going to tune into a trailer, kind of just want to see clips from the movie. Um, mm-hmm. that being said, there is a problem with trailers where they show too much. And this trailer definitely, uh, the, the format, the way they handled it, allowed them to skirt that problem. So that's cool. Um, and, and it was a funny bit. So, you know, I guess kudos, but it just didn't, it didn't work for me the way it worked for everybody else. I would say I'm, I'm, I'm pretty in line with you on this, I think. I watched it twice and like the, the first, the first time I thought it was, you know, funny. Like I, I get it. It's cashing in on that nostalgia cute, right? element of the, yeah of the bob the bob ross stuff but the second time i was like eh, all right this i get it i mean that's the problem with like references and and parodies is that there's a shelf life to it and there's no rewatch value and in general that's like the whole deadpool shtick and i'm not really into it in any form and so i mean the trailer didn't do anything for me it is well what it i is. i i think i think in that case, you know, it's good that it that this was a trailer, right? And not just, uh, you know, the actual movie. Because that would have been awful. <laughs> but... I don't know. A <laughs> movie of Deadpool, Bob Ross? If they really hard committed to it, I could see it being brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and to be fair to this trailer, this is a movie that's not out until June. So I don't know that we really need to see a ton anyways. You know, I think, I think trailers tend to come out a little too early in comparison to when the actual movies release. So this is fine, you know, showing us a little bit, uh, keeping Deadpool in our minds, you know, that's all good. Yeah. I think, I think we'll probably get a more traditional trailer closer to the actual movie, which I think will actually be to their benefit because by the time we see it, it'll actually be imminent. You know, we won't have seen the same recycled scenes two or three times over. 
Right. Exactly. Uh, so the trailer doesn't show us a ton, but it does give us some glimpses of what what we can maybe expect. Uh, so one of the shots that the trailer does include is of an individual that could be Pyro just because there's fire everywhere and stuff like that. So it, it gives the impression that it's Pyro. Um, but it looks like he's in a church. And in the background, what we can see are some banners that have um, apocalyptic, you know, religious-esque messages like prepare yourself, the end is near, pure blood, purity, humanity, infinity. So that gives the impression that in this movie they're dealing with the purifiers. Uh, so the purifiers are a villain that uh, are a group that has plagued the X-Men many, many times over the years. Uh, they're led by William Stryker, who in the movies, he was an X-2. Uh, in the movies, he's a military person. In the comics, he's actually a preacher who is very staunchly anti-mutant. Uh, and the purifiers are his, his heavies. Um, that's actually really cool if that's where this is going because the purifiers are the main villain of the X-Force. And this movie includes Domino, Deadpool, and Cable, which is three members of traditional X-Force teams. So they could be using this as a jumping on point to the X-Force film. Could be good. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be about that. Totally. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, I don't know, man, I'm looking forward to this. I really liked, uh, Deadpool one for what it was. And like, I don't, I don't love Deadpool, but, um, I definitely really enjoyed the character a lot when I was, uh, you know, a little more of an edgy teenager and, you know, um, like I think the films are like the exact kind of thing I want to experience Deadpool with now, you know? Like, I'm not necessarily going to read a Deadpool monthly, but I could definitely get down for another Deadpool movie. Yeah, I uh, I actually am not a Deadpool fan really at all. I've only liked him one time, and that was during Rick Remender's X-Force. Uh, that said, I enjoyed the movie, but I, I could do without another one. Um, I appreciated it more for the fact that I could tell that it was well-made and cared about the character rather than me actually, you know being in love with what it was. I get that. Yeah. Um, in other X-Men film news, it looks like they're working on a multiple man movie with James Franco playing the main character, Jamie Madrox. <laughs> it's like, huh. what? <laughs> it's super, super random. But apparently... I mean, sorry? I mean, I guess they had to get James Franco in a superhero franchise eventually. Right. Was oh, shit. He was Spider-Man movies too. Yeah, he was. I think this is his idea. Uh, well, yeah. actually, so Deadline is reporting that uh, James Franco and Simon Kinberg, who is directing Dark Phoenix and a, and a producer on all the X-Men movies, um, they worked on a movie called The Hardy Men, which is them play or it's James Franco and Dave Franco playing grown-up versions of the Hardy Boys. And that movie was what? written Yeah. That movie was written by Kinberg. And so on that set they kind of bonded and came up with this idea for a multiple man movie. That would be written by Alan Heinberg, who wrote Wonder Woman, the movie, and has what? written a ton of comic books. I'm a huge fan of his. Yo. That sounds cool. 
<laughs> the pedigree's there. The pedigree's yeah. there. Well, and it's also just like, this is the kind of movie that could be good because nobody gives a shit about this character. Right. Like, there's no baggage, so it's just like, it could just be whatever, like, it could just be good. Yeah. There's no expectation for it. Multiple Man is a really cool character um, who, you know, most people who know him would know him from uh, X Factor. Um, but he, he's definitely got leading man potential, especially when you when you tag an actor on to the film like James Franco, who is, right. you know, a leading man in Hollywood for many years. I think this could be really good, especially if you throw in uh, a few comic book characters and things like that. Maybe even set up X Factor for the future. Yeah, right. Like maybe you throw in one or two more well-known X-Men characters. You get a couple other like notable actors in this and like and really just have some fun with it. Like, fuck yeah, man. Like this could be really, really cool. I think that uh, James Franco is actually a very, very uh, capable and talented a uh, executive as well. Whenever James Franco gets behind a project, uh, I think it turns out usually pretty good. Um He's a smart guy. I think he's Harvard educated, has like a doctorate and shit on like English. So he's like very, very um, knowledgeable in like and creating, you know, a, a fictional story. Uh, so I think a multiple man movie with James Franco behind it has a lot of potential. And Sean, you mentioned who's writing it. And I think this could be really good, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I think this has all the makings of like a, a really interesting movie maybe Kale, what are your thoughts i feel like this could be up your alley i uh i don't really know the multiple man character um i i do pretty generally enjoy characters of of this fashion with you know with uh, uh, uh powers that are just a little just a little bit off the wall um so yeah i think uh i i think something like this could could be good could be fun um, I'm, I, I am not super pumped about James Franco. Um, he's not one of my favorite people that, you know, has the spotlight or has any sort of attention, but I mean, if it's gotta be anybody, I, why not? Sure. Um, the one cool thing for those of you who aren't familiar with multiple man is that he, can so he splits his body and there there are copies of him but the copies actually have personalities of their own so that that can make for a legitimately really fun movie especially when you consider that the villain will probably be multiple men he'll be the hero and the villain in his own movie dude like i i could see a version of this where you really play it like a comedy yeah. too and like that works like that makes so much sense with that dynamic of just like James Franco acting against a dick version of James Franco like <laughs> like that could be fucking great you know and have like a lot of really mundane superhero problems of just like oh you know like he fucking upset his girlfriend because the mean multiple man went and saw or whatever or like he gets fired or like that kind of stuff like well, very like I don't know like 90s like Jim Carrey liar liar style yeah. like you know what I mean like I could really see that working really fucking well in like in a, like a small scale personal stake superhero movie well you could 
you can start out with a really simplified like sitcom thing where it's like, uh-oh, I have too many engagements at once. I have to be at work. I have a date. I got to do chores around the house. Yeah. And it, qu- it quickly just backfires. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, like, I-, I don't know, dude. Like, I'm into this. Like, this sounds really cool. Yeah. I think there's big potential. And it's like, he has a lot of buddies who are really talented who you could probably get involved too. You know, like, he's done so much work. Well, and I think I think this is the kind of stuff that like eventually superhero stories are going to have to evolve into, especially at the movies. Um, you know, yeah, if they want to be sustainable, like with stuff like uh, Legion uh, or yeah, Lo- which I mean, Legion obviously isn't a movie, but like the quality of that show like is 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 movie like so. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, stuff like um. Uh, Logan or uh, Deadpool even. Just, or even Ant-Man. Uh, yeah. yeah. Stuff that's just slightly off the wall, so slightly genre, I think will uh, push the, the genre further than, uh, you know, than right now, it kind of has the ability to go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and to, to Fox's credit, Fox has yes. definitely... <laughs> In, in more in the recent years, been trying to do that. The um, recent ones, the, yeah, the most recent. Um, just yeah, like cr- the stuff that's currently in production right now has been really interesting. Like the past three, like Philip. You, you look at well, you look at New Mutants, right? It's a horror movie. Horror, right? Um, that's that's incredible. You know, uh, never thought I'd see that, and it's a spin that I wouldn't have imagined for those characters. So, um, but we'll, we'll we'll table that for now. But Fox doing some interesting things with their X Men franchise. Now let's Finally. talk about let's talk about something that I'm not nearly as excited about. Uh, Sony, who has announced several projects that are in development that are spin offs of Spider Man that won't include Spider Man that aren't established in any way, um, is now working on a Morbius film. Uh, this is coming from. This is coming from the Hollywood. Hold now, hang on. I get yelled at when I do that. This wait, is wait, 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 all of a sudden, Pete's got an, uh, an opinion, so he, something's directly affecting him, so he can groan at the news. <laughs> All right, you know what, Kale? It's different when I do it as a bit in the news versus in the middle of a review, okay? That's all I'm going to say. I think Pete's just excited because he really wants to see these movies. All right. All right. Let's, let's get into it. Uh So the Hollywood Reporter is saying that this movie is in development, that it's been in development in secret uh, at the studio. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that it's being written by Burke Sharpless and Matt Sazama, who worked on Power Rangers, Dracula Untold, and Gods of Egypt. Oh, oh, good! I love does that pedigree. Does, does it does it say which Power Rangers they worked on? Because the, the recent. Uh, the nah, recent. are you sure? <laughs> Power Rangers, uh, lost in lost in space. Yeah, <laughs> the movie, the recent movie. Yeah. Uh, so yes, Morbius is coming. I I, I like Morbius. 
Yeah, me too. That's why he's I'm like, super not excited about this. He's like, <laughs> he's like that one character I kind of, I actually know about. That's so <laughs> random. What do you know about Morbius, dude? <laughs> he's like, he's well, like he's green. He's, he lives in a swamp. He's <laughs> welcome to the Marco nose segment. <laughs> he's like a vampire or whatever. And he, he like, I, I only know him from the cartoon. He's like, he's like a, a vampire or whatever. And he, he's like not enemies with Spider-Man, but they're like, they, they have conflicts. And I think, he, and, I, <laughs> and, I, and I think he's, and I think, isn't Morbius like in love with somebody or something? Is yes. that like, like his character or yes. part of his character? On yeah. That, show that's, he's in love with Liz Allen. Yes. Yeah. That's all I know. Wow. And that was Marco knows. That was. <laughs> ba-da, ba-da, ba-da. It, it isn't Felicia Hardy in the oh, show? Oh, you're right. It, 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 wait, is it? You, you might be right. Felicia it could be Felicia Hardy. I, like, I, I have such vague memories about that fucking show. Like, I don't really... It, like, I think it might have been Black Hat, though. Actually, I mean, no. I mean you were kind of young for that. It's and Liz. I, I, I was. <laughs> it's Liz because they worked in the lab together. Remember? I See, I, I, don't even, I don't even remember Felicia. Liz being in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I they, sound like Tommy Wiseau. They worked Felicia, in the lab together, I'm sure. I, you Felicia, know what? I don't know. Could be wrong. Felicia, <laughs> I feel like, took uh, <laughs> There's, I, I love when we get Sean off on a tangent like that, that he's just like, you know what? I, this is so not important right now. <laughs> yeah, so this is just like, why? This is one of those... You put this in the yeah. Y category. Fine. Morbius. I like the character. Does he need a solo film? No. Yes. <laughs> Could it be good? Sure. But not when you're telling me that the person who wrote Gods of Egypt is writing this movie. I just can't. Like, like that's the thing is like on its face, it's not a good idea. And then it's like, oh, these are the guys attached to it. And it's like, what was the last example we had? Oh, he, he wrote Wonder Woman. Okay. All right. Cool. Who wrote? What did these guys write? The Power Rangers movie. And then two movies I've never heard Hold of. Hold on. Don't, yeah, don't bring the Power Rangers into this. Because that was, that was a decent time. I'm not saying it was the best time, but it was decent. But that's my point, Kale, is it was a decent time. That's not enough to get me excited. We should aspire to more than that. Uh, look, I'm just, all I'm saying is don't compare Power Rangers to Gods of Egypt. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Gods of fair. Egypt was that's extremely fair. bad. Uh, like they probably had help. Somebody held their hand during Power Rangers. <laughs> That's the Ouch. thing is, like ten fucking people wrote that movie. Yeah. So, like, come off the Power Rangers, all right? Fair enough. Uh, so, Marvels and Humans recently wrapped. Uh, it aired its final episode on Friday, and uh, I'm surprised they aired all of them. Yeah, I don't want to belabor this too much, but uh, you know, listen, we've we've talked about this show quite a bit, and uh, I do want to have the final word on Inhumans because the chances of a season two are very low. Did um, you watch any of it? Hell no. Let's talk numbers here. Uh, the finale pulled in 1.9 million viewers overall, and it got a 0.5 in the 18 to 49 year old demographic. Um, Reported by Deadline, the show actually retained 100% of the lead-in from Once Upon a Time, 
in the target demographic and 81% of its lead in audience overall, which is that never happens. It's super rare. However, this is the great part. The show also dragged down ABC's 2020 to some of its lowest ratings in history. <laughs> in well. fact, thanks to the Inhumans, NBC's Dateline has doubled 2020 rate 2020's ratings in the fall season. That's funny. That is awful. Now, this article that I'm reading from is from comicbook.com, and I love the following quote. Uh, In the end, it's hard to avoid the conclusion that Inhumans is anything but a complete failure, one of the worst that the Marvel Cinematic Universe franchise has ever seen. I I just love how succinctly uh, this writer (laughs) put that, because that is absolutely perfect. Um, The IMAX failure... They released it uh, in IMAX theaters, and that went really bad. Um, the television series ratings have been abysmal, uh, the worst for anything Marvel has done. And um, it didn't show any signs of life throughout the entire series. And so here we are to eulogize the Inhumans. Uh, Dearly beloved. <laughs> does anyone want to say some words about this show <laughs> that only lasted uh, nine episodes and uh, has died a terrible death. Man, we <clears> didn't <throat> watch it. <laughs> Excuse me. Let me say a few words here. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to mourn the loss of a superhero franchise that no one wanted except Sean, except he wanted a good one. We remember dearly that this show had the potential to be something maybe decent, but the reality is Disney and Marvel high in her horse with her hubris fell off a mighty steed and now we eulogize and bury it forever amen we'll miss you nick nick i was bringing back the the nick part but nick didn't die I, uh, all right oh my god no his last name's thunderbender he's totally an inhuman <laughs> possibly please please a moment of silence okay that's enough <laughs> uh yeah so We'll, we'll see what the future of the Inhumans holds. I don't believe in a new season, but uh, I could see these characters being resurrected at some point. So, let's talk comics a little bit. Uh, Marvel has obviously been under fire uh, over the last couple years for a variety of choices, and uh, you tend to imagine that these are coming from the top down, um, which would mean that Axel Alonso... Uh, is somebody that you know people have aimed their ire at over the years. He is the editor in chief at Marvel, except that he is no longer the editor in chief of Marvel. He has left Marvel Comics, and C. B. Sobolski has been elevated into the editor in chief seat. Um, this is absolutely massive news uh, for Marvel, and I'm very very interested in what that's going to mean. Um, Axel Alonso was the editor-in-chief for seven, uh, six years. He began in 2011 and is leaving Marvel altogether. Uh, C.B. Sobolski has done everything there is to do. Uh, he was a freelance writer. He was an editor at Marvel, uh, president of international brand management. Um, he reviewed portfolios for artists at different conventions, and he's been there for a very, very long time. So I don't think that there's anybody there uh, who is more entrenched in what Marvel does 
than CB is, and I'm very personally excited to see what he brings to the table. Thoughts? What does Axel do next? Uh, I don't know. I believe he has uh, writing aspirations. Um, I don't know the internal workings of why he left. If there was, you know, if he was forced out, or you know how the decision was made. But I know that uh, his run as editor in chief has not been regarded well by fans. Yeah, I mean, even yeah, I mean, like you said, if he has writing aspirations, like you can't be an editor in chief and also be writing. So, like, Dan DiDio did it. I mean, Stan Lee some, did it. I'm not saying that no one does it. I'm just saying, like, especially in the current day and age, it's it's challenging. <laughs> and I know, like, when when I talked to Jerry at um at at New York Comic Con, like, he said, like, that was kind of why he he did it for literally a month and a half, and he was just kind of like, ah, I I just want to write, you know. So like it could be an easy thing of just like you know what like I'm unpopular it's not going well I'd rather be writing like fuck it Kale you had something to say I was oh, well I was gonna say that Dan Didio comparison like but like look at what he's been on and like look at how it's gone like he's not very, very well. good <laughs> uh, yeah but, yeah go ahead uh Axel's been on for like ten years I feel like I can remember when. It switched from Quesada to Axel. He he took on the role in 2011. Okay. Yeah, like I don't know. I guess I guess that's it's not like it's not a long period of time where it's like oh he should have been gone a long time ago, but it's also short enough that you know he could try out a couple things. So I guess I guess yeah, this probably feels about right. You know, to get him to to try a couple of events that didn't works super well i I know for the most part pete's heart of hearts that he misses joe quesada most of all and he wants him to come back as editor-in-chief of marvel please no i i actually do legitimately feel that way you know honestly it's funny (laughs) i like i like to play up my distaste for him my my entire like issue with him comes from a thing he wrote about spider-man he was fine as an executive I never really like had a problem with him as the editor in chief. Oh well, I wasn't a fan. His his um communication with the audience was amazing. Very personable guy. Um, I, I I mean, you know, I've never made any bones about the fact that the stuff that came out from Marvel during his tenure there as editor in chief is my favorite stuff they've done. Uh, so obviously, I would be in favor of that, but. You know, putting that aside, I think CB is the right guy for the job. He has a very keen eye for great art. Uh, one of the statements that he made, let me see if I have that here, um, but I will just talk about it while I look. Um, one of the statements that he made was essentially that he wants to see um, letterers get highlighted more, colorists get highlighted more. Uh, actually, oh, here's cool. the quote. Um, we always hear about the writers and artists, but people forget the inkers and the colorists and the letterers. Each of them is an artist in their own right. And so his commitment is to trying to um, put teams together that are going to be impactful beyond just the writer and artist. He doesn't want those other uh, creators to be throwaways, you know, um, and it can feel like that. So that's already awesome. It's a cool stance. It, it's not only a cool stance. I think seeing somebody like this 
rise up to a leadership role is always like good, right? Like somebody who you said like has done it in every capacity. He worked as a freelancer. He worked as a staff writer. He worked as an editor. You know, it's like he's done all of it. And if he's got a good eye for art, he really cares about the product and also understands the business in a meaningful way. Like that's the kind of person you want at the head of a creative corporation like this because you know it's like marvel's a corporation but their export is art and like the art's been struggling and to have somebody that really gets the process uh at the top i think is hugely meaningful and that's not to say that like you know um that his predecessor or that you know other people who i don't necessarily like some of the decisions they make didn't understand it but like you said it seems like he's really well equipped for the job and it's I think Marvel could definitely use some some new leadership right now. I think like it's in need of a shakeup right now and fresh blood with a new vision could really, you know, be be what they need. I also think uh, really quick that he's the kind of guy that people want to write for. Um, he was the editor on Runaways, which is obviously a, a massive success. Uh, there's a show currently airing about that. Uh, and, and on top of that, this guy lives in Shanghai. His main Whoa. job right now is, um, building the brand of Marvel outside of the U.S. And he's been doing that for some time. That's so, awesome. Yeah. A big reason why we've seen over the years some of these collaborations with, um, with Asia and different places like that is because of him and what he's been able to do outside this country. And so that's going to mean that with him in charge, the brand is going to be focusing on not just telling stories that appeal to us, but stories that have worldwide appeal. Huh? Yeah. And I mean, I mean, that sounds great, right? Like, especially when you talk about what Marvel has seemed to have been trying to do over the last few years, right? Of like introducing a, a diverse group of new characters um, that speak to, new new kinds of comic book fans having somebody who has like boots on the ground experience of trying to get these books to appeal to people who aren't american um that sounds great i mean yeah you come in providing a different kind of context and perspective and and that just enriches things and like to something that that we always quote um g willow wilson's like it just makes things authentic yeah yeah yeah, man. And I mean, I, I'm sure he's learned things from those markets too, just from how yeah. their comics culture works. And like, mm -hmm. maybe there's things he can apply to the way that Marvel does things that will be different than the rest of the, the US market and actually make them stand out or something like that. You know, and like, maybe we're fucking giving him more credit than he deserves, but I don't know. Like, I don't think any of that's unheard of when you have somebody in that high of a, a position, you know, like he really does have the power to affect meaningful change about how they publish books. And um, that's exciting. Yeah, I've been a fan of his for many years, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, and good luck. I'm yeah, I absolutely wish him the best of luck for sure. I'm looking forward to you know the announcements about you know what what's going to happen under his um, under his eye. So it'll probably be a while before we really know what that's going to look like. Unfortunately, correct. But it is what it is. We'll probably get the announcements fairly soon, though. Yeah. Yeah, it just takes a, sh a big ship like Marvel a long time to turn, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, last week we talked about Mark Millar's first comic under Netflix, The Magic Order. Um, this week, he's made an announcement about another book that he's working on outside of Netflix, 
which is a sort of relaunch of Kick-Ass. Uh, so this is a new story set within, I suppose, the Kick-Ass universe, but with a different main character uh, that is actually very interesting. Uh, the main character is a black mother, um, which is obviously not anything like the prior Kick-Ass. Uh, so her name is Patience Lee. She's a military veteran, and she has young children. Um, the reason why this isn't taking place in the Netflix sort of world, why this is outside of Netflix, is because Kick-Ass falls under a pre-existing deal, as does Kingsman, that was arranged with Matthew Vaughn. So it's totally separate. Um, what do you guys think? Are you excited about this? I, excited is not the right word. I would say I'm cautiously optimistic about it. Um, I talked a little bit about it with friend of the show, Matt Murphy from the long box. And, you know, we were both fans of kick ass, uh, especially as, you know, when we were younger, but the sequel series really did not speak to me in the same way that the original one did. I think, um, something I said to him during our conversation was that I, I like Mark Millar, but I think he does have a tendency sometimes to be graphic for the sake of being graphic. You know, he does things that are shocking to shock you. And I feel like Kick-Ass kind of fell into that sometimes. And I think it worked in the first series because it was novel. And I feel like it became a war of escalation with himself. And some of the things that happen in Kick-Ass 2 uh, and some of the like subsequent series like really turned me off to what was going on in that universe. So... I'm willing to give this a shot, but I wouldn't say I'm excited for it anymore. Like the first kick ass will always hold a place in my heart, but I, I'm kind of done with that universe based on his like more recent offerings in it. Sure. Yeah. I definitely hear that. Uh, one thing that does kind of inspire, uh, me to be excited is that, uh, it's the following quote. Um, the original four volumes, this is coming from Mark Millar, the original four volumes of Kick-Ass, the Dave Lazuski story, got tied up a couple of years ago and is a brand new character. I'd always wanted to do what Doctor Who or The Flash does and create a legacy character. Kick-Ass is being designed for that. The idea is that he inspires other people to do what he did, just putting on a costume and cleaning up their neighborhood, and that's what happens here. I wanted to shake up the setting a little and shifted the whole thing to New Mexico. The lead is a woman this time, a mother in her early 30s with two young kids. She's also a military vet who came home to find her life in a completely different setting from the way it was when she went to Afghanistan, so the actual dynamic of the book is really different, but at the same time, the flavor is identical. The reason why that inspires me is because... The original Kick-Ass uh, hero was super basic, right? And this time around, this is a, a, a an individual, a woman who has a life already. You know, she's got baggage. She has children. She's lived. That's going to be very different than what Dave brought to the table. And I think that that's the kind of hero that I really want to read about. Genuinely. Yeah, I, I agree with that. When you say it that way, it's hard to argue. Um, I, I just I hope it comes out in a way that speaks to what is interesting about that and uh, and doesn't have some of the malarisms that do tend to turn me off. Because I agree with you. I, I really do. I love the idea of, of reading a story about a superhero who's a 30-year-old woman who has two children. 
you know, and like, and then the, you know, the ex-military aspect just adds another layer to her character. Like, there's a lot you can do there that is different and fresh and not just from Kick-Ass, but from most superheroes. Right. Um, any other thoughts? Yeah, like, I don't know. I've never been a huge Kick-Ass fan. Um, uh, again, sort of like Pete said, just the, the hyper-violence of the whole thing. Uh, it's not not something i generally lean into um i'm going to i'm going to say i'm going to say what i feel for the posterity of saying it um i don't like that i feel this way and i i after hearing the way you uh sold it you know based on on Millar's pitch and everything uh that it does feel i do feel a little differently now but like the initial um announcement of this for me it it felt like the uh, like the the anti diversity it it felt like what the anti diversity marvel fanboys complain about uh, it's an it's a diversity book for diversity's sake. Uh, who gives a shit? He's just doing it. It's just a cash grab. I don't feel that way after hearing that. But for me, like the initial announcement didn't sit right. Um, and I don't, I don't, and I think that may just be based on. The previous, you know, my my opinion and sort of the the uh, what I know about the the previous Kick Ass books, it just didn't sit right. Does it? Does any of that make sense? Uh, it it does. I think I think it's a little unfair to Millar because I think, despite my crit- critique of of the way I think he sometimes handles violent situations like that. I do think he does a pretty good job of writing about like things that are not his struggle, but that are struggles earnestly. Like, I don't remember the name of that book, but that book he did about the the kids from Detroit after his trip to Detroit, you know? And like, he, he seems very, um, he seems like he likes to try to tell the stories of people that are different from him and try to like empathize with them through that writing. Mm. And I, I don't feel like this feels out of character for him as a writer. It's just a matter of like, for me, how good is the execution going to be? You know, is, yeah. is it going yeah. to feel authentic to that character or is it going to be Mark Millar wanting to feel authentic to that character? You know? Yeah, and it remains to be seen. And the book will be out um, this upcoming year, so we don't have to wait too long to uh, check it out for ourselves. Could be good. Indeed. So, we finally have an update on Batfleck Watch. Um, obviously, Justice League is out, and of course, Ben Affleck has been doing a ton of press and talking about uh, this film, but also uh, the Batman, the upcoming Batman movie. Um, ben Affleck has flip-flopped a lot in terms of where he stands on 
whether he wants to, you know, continue to be Batman or what he's what he's looking to do. So the following is a quote uh, from him uh, when asked if he would do the Batman movie. Uh, so he said, it's something I'm contemplating. Uh, you don't do it forever, so I want to find a graceful and cool way to segue out of it. <laughs> that is the least graceful and cool way to say that ever. Yeah. <laughs> that just sounds so bad. Like, that's... Uh, and, like, you know, I'm not... I don't mean to, like, pick apart what he's saying. Like, I know he's a public person, and, like, I'm not... that That's not my intent. But I'm just saying, like... Saying that you want something to be graceful and cool is like so antithetical to to what you're trying to accomplish. Well, <laughs> he he was really caught later in that interview when the interviewer asked him, "So Ben, do you bleed?" "Oh, well, you will." <laughs> he didn't know what to say. Um this is in stark contrast to what he said at San Diego Comic-Con where he expressed let me be clear. Batman is the coolest effing part in any universe. I am so thrilled to do it. It is effing amazing. There was more to that, but that's the gist of what he said. And, uh, you know, he seemed super excited. He mentioned that he would be a gorilla on the ground for Matt Reeves, um, who was directing the Batman. And now it seems like he's kind of wishy-washy. His brother recently said about a month ago that his, that, that Ben would not be playing Batman in the Batman film. Uh, that was walked back, but that's what his brother had to say. His brother knows more about this situation than anybody else does, I would imagine. Uh, so it's a weird situation. It's very strange. Uh, now, I do want to add to that, that obviously we've known about this and the wishy-washiness of this for a long time. But coming out last week was that Matt Reeves actually had an actor in mind to play Batman in his movie if Ben Affleck did des- decided not to do it. And it turns out, if the rumors are to be ch- are, are true, uh, and this is according to uh, We Got This Covered, uh, Reeves wants Jake Gyllenhaal to play Batman. Jake Gyllenhaal? Y- yep. <laughs> great, great job, Phil. Jake Gyllenhaal. Thanks. Uh, so, what do you guys think about that? Uh, in all seriousness, Jake Gyllenhaal is actually one of my favorite actors in Hollywood right now. There was a movie by uh, Denny Villeneuve that came out in 2013 called uh, Enemy that was really good. It was actually really it was sensational. Uh, and of course, movies like Nightcrawler. Uh, yeah. I think Jake Gyllenhaal could be a very very good Batman that said I don't actually want Ben Affleck to leave I actually think he's a really good Bruce Wayne a really good Batman uh, but if we're going to fantasy cast another Batman I'm okay with Jake Hall, and I've actually wanted him to do some kind of superhero movie for like four or five years so I mean could be good yeah yeah I, I, I echo all Phil sentiments for sure I especially um in Justice League, I, I really do like Ben Affleck's Batman, but Jake Gyllenhaal's a fantastic actor, so I mean, if we do need to replace him, that's a that's a fine choice. Boy, I uh, I felt the opposite. Um, no, that's uh, that's not necessarily true. 
I having not seen B, uh, Batman versus Superman, I I the thought of Ben Affleck as Batman isn't terrible to me. I I don't hate that idea. Um, but I think after seeing Justice League and seeing the way Batman was treated, and we'll get into it, obviously, in my thoughts on on that. I I don't think there's a lot for Batman to do. And I feel like Affleck was probably pretty let down by that. And I think especially in the final product, I think that probably is, that's probably why this is coming out now is he was waiting. I bet they were waiting to see like the critical response uh, to Batman in the film and the film itself. Um, and I, I don't blame them. And I, I don't blame him for wanting to make his exit after this. Hard to argue with that. What do you think of Jake Gyllenhaal, though? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think that's a fine a fine move. Uh, he, I mean, he he and Ben Affleck, I think, are are sort of of the same like generation of actor, you know, '90s romantic comedy sort of uh, actor. I don't, I don't know about that, dude. Late nineties, uh, yeah. Like, uh, and Jake listen, I, I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying that as a as a bad thing at all. I know, but I think I think that's sort of where they both kind of started to come up and and got like their leading man roles. You know, Brokeback Mountain, as much of it, you know, as uh, uh, a meme as that movie became, it's really good, and like it's you know. It, proves that you know Hall's got the metal to you know be a, a good and like complicated actor um i yeah i think he would be great i think he what i'm saying is he would be a good follow-up to ben affleck right yeah i agree and uh i could i could definitely get behind jake gyllenhaal uh i see him as someone who's dynamic and um, I'd be interested in what he would bring to this character. I think he'd be a, he'd be a good uh, like reset too. Right. Like whereas Ben Affleck is you know playing the older, a little bit more grizzled Bruce Wayne. I think Jake Gyllenhaal has the the ability to play someone who's just like a, a little younger right. to match Superman and Wonder Woman. Yeah, so like Phil and I were talking about this coming out of the movie. Do you think that they would like kill off Bruce Wayne or would they just have him be like a younger Bruce Wayne through like Flashpoint or some bullshit? I I would lean toward Flashpoint. Uh sort of like uh you know we've talked about this a couple of times with the uh the Marvel phase shift and like the ending of like Chris Evans contract like you know after Thanos and and the glove and everything they just kind of shift actors and you know, it's like, oh, this these are the new the the Avengers, and they're a whole new cast, and we can keep going. I think like that's probably what they'll do. I don't like making um, hard line statements like this, but I, I think, at least from where I'm sitting right now, if they killed Bruce, I would stop going to see movies with Batman in them until he was back. I have no interest in that at all, dude. If he was Dick Bats, I'd be all in. I. I would have trouble with that just based on the fact that we haven't seen Dick Grayson in these exactly. films yet. 
I don't give uh, a shit. I'm in for I, dick bets. I, I hear you, uh, but I wouldn't want that to come out of nowhere. Yeah, my thought was, and I don't think this will actually happen, but I was like, yeah, I mean, like, maybe they could have Dick Grayson take over as Batman, and that's like Jake Gyllenhaal or whatever. And then the, the Nightwing movie that they were talking about is like a story of him as like a young person as Nightwing or whatever, and that's how we get our backstory with him. I, I'm not saying I want that, but I could see them pulling something like that. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, now that Justice League is out, it'll be interesting to hear how their plans change because a lot of everything that they're wanting to do hinged on Justice League's success or lack thereof. So we'll see. Now, this next news story, I want to preface by saying I do not want to spend a lot of time talking about this. We already talked about it last week, uh, but I just wanted to include it to follow up because it's important. So last week, BuzzFeed uh, released their article about Eddie Braganza and all the terrible stuff that he did uh, while he was at DC um, and going to conventions and groping women, you know, kissing them when they didn't want to, all the horrible stories that you can read uh, in the BuzzFeed article. Um, so the, the, the reaction obviously was swift by fans. And DC followed up quickly with uh, a suspension pending a thorough review, a prompt and careful review. Um, And then as of uh, just a few days ago, uh, as of Monday, actually, they they fired him. Uh, So he's no longer with the company. He's no longer with DC. Um. I'll read their their statement. Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment have terminated the employment of DC Comics Group editor Eddie Braganza. We are committed to eradicating harassment and ensuring that all employees, as well as our freelance community, are aware of our policies, are comfortable reporting any concerns, and feel supported by our company. So that's what they had to say about it. Uh, Quick reacts only, please. See you, nerd. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I missed last week's show, so I didn't really get to weigh in on this whole issue. But I mean, obviously, this is disgusting and upsetting to hear. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that justice was served, at, at least at some capacity, right? He doesn't have his job anymore. And hopefully the person that replaces him will be, uh, somebody we can trust won't, won't do this kind of thing. And, um, you know, it, it's unfortunate that it went on for as long as it did. But um, my my all I can hope that the takeaway from this whole all of these situations is that like this won't happen as much moving forward, and ideally it won't happen anymore at all. Yeah, and um, I guess now like hopefully we'll get to see uh, a woman in the Superman room. Absolutely. I don't know. Uh, too little, too late. Uh, like I. I appreciate that, you know, he's fired and they finally, finally did the right thing. Uh, but, uh, like, it's been 15, 20 years. Like, fuck that. Like, yeah, it's only because there's pressure now and that sucks. Yeah. Hey, yeah, we, we did the thing you asked for. You can go see Justice League now. Come on. You're right, dude. Like, 100% right. Like, I, I, I appreciate it, but I, you know, Oh, good. You're finally being decent human beings. Uh, yeah, right. I'm not going to pat him on the back for it. 
Yeah. 10 for a good buddy. Agreed. So, uh, Justice League is out. And, uh, what? yeah, apparently. Um, Shit, I love that cartoon. <laughs> uh, so, Joss Whedon has had an interesting level of involvement with this film because after a tragedy in Zack Snyder's family, uh, Joss Whedon stepped in to do the um, reshoots for the movie. Reshoots are a natural part of any film. And uh, what's unnatural is that uh, another director came in and and did them. But, you know, due to the circumstances, it it worked out. Um, Now, of course... uh, that puts a microscope on Joss Whedon's opinions about the movie. And uh, he's gotten into some pretty hot water over some tweets that he actually liked. <coughs> so uh, on Twitter, uh, Johanna, Joanna Robinson wrote, Justice League Steppenwolf is the worst comic book movie villain of all time. And not even Malekith the Accursed comes close. Uh, someone later compared Steppenwolf to Tim Curry in Legend, to which Robinson wrote, Me too, and that only made it worse because Tim Curry is the business legend. So that's that individual's opinion. Uh, however, Joss Whedon, who has done no press for this film at all and has had very little to say about it, actually liked the tweets. And (laughs) that that really pissed off a lot of people. Uh, So someone on Twitter wrote, So Joss Whedon ruined Justice League with his sexualization of the characters and bad CGI, but he has the nerve and audacity to come on Twitter and trash the movie. It's time for the DCEU fans to run him off Twitter like the MCU fans once did. (coughs) Uh, That is a crazy reaction. And that's just one of many. But that's, that, <laughs> yeah. that is absolutely wild. So let me let me take the opportunity to clear up a few things for anybody who's confused about what Joss Whedon actually did on this film. Joss time, for Whedon, one, time for Sean Soapbox. Joss Whedon's defense attorney. Pause, Sean. pause, pause. Number one, Joss Whedon had nothing to do with the way that the Amazons looked in the movie. A lot of people are mad because their costumes were different than the ones in Wonder Woman. Get over it. That was Zack Snyder's decision. A lot of the women who were the Amazons in the movie had no problems. You can do research for yourself if you are confused about that. Number two, Joss Whedon had nothing to do with the bad CGI. If you think Stephen Wolf looked looked like crap, you should blame everybody who was a part of that production. Joss Whedon came in after the fact and had to work with what was there. Uh, He didn't ruin the movie. Everyone should know now, as reports have come out, that Joss Whedon did reshoots, which had to be done. The movie is Zack Snyder's movie. Joss Whedon is not credited as a director. He has a writer's credit. You could dislike some of the stuff that he may have written, but I would love for you to point out to me the scenes that Joss Whedon actually wrote. If you know those scenes, then great. If you didn't like them, that's unfortunate. But if you're going to tell me that the scenes that he wrote were worse than some of the dialogue that was included in this movie, including the opening scene with Batman and a random robber, if you think that what Joss Whedon wrote was worse than that, then we should really have a conversation. I'm done now. I'm getting that off was my Sean soapbox. soapbox. 
And that was Sean's Soapbox, brought to you by Marco's Chewable Enemas. <laughs> hey, bring it back. No, I mean, like, sincerely, I uh, I agree with all your sentiments, man. Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> I, I really thought you were going to say, no, 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 sincerely, I use them. S- sincerely, <laughs> I chew those enemas. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Uh, he, he can like a tweet. He didn't come up with Steppenwolf. He came up with Loki. In a very similar movie, Loki was 100% a better villain than Steppenwolf. So why wouldn't he agree with that tweet? It's like, he probably shouldn't have liked the tweet just because he should have known something like this was going to happen. But it's also just like, the fact that he would like a tweet and people are just like, oh, I ruined the movie. Let's fucking run him off Twitter. It's like, all right. Like, it's fucking, it's fucking Sawyer all, buddy. People are psychos. Fucking keyboard warriors, man. Yep. Get a podcast and bitch about his movies like a normal person. That's right. So, <laughs> as we as we always do with these movie releases, uh, we always look at Rotten Tomatoes to get a sense of where you guys are at and where critics are at in terms of their enjoyment of these movies. So, what I want you guys to do is I want you to guess the uh, critics' score and the audience score for Justice League. All right. Uh, the critic score is like 54%. The fan score, 88. I say critic, 52, and fans, 77. I'm going to go critics, 45 to hedge my bets. And audience, I'm going to say is like 84, 86. Okay, kill. I'm going to go harsher. I think the critics are closer to 35, 36. Ooh. Uh, fans are probably 65, 70. Okay, so uh, Pete is absolutely the closest to the actual scores. So the critic score is actually 40%. Wow. And the audience score is 86%. Wow. All right. Pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, people are loving this movie, apparently. I I saw you smirk when I said 84, 86, and I was like, I must have gotten close with that one. (laughs) Yeah. That was was pretty uh, on the money. So critics hate it. Uh, Fans like it. And you're going to find out right now what we think about Justice League. So, as always, we're going to start off with our spoiler-free section. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, we won't spoil anything for you guys. You can listen to us talk about uh, what we thought about the cast, the characters, some of our problems that are, you know, general, um, and give a score to the movie. Uh, and then, of course, after that, we'll jump into the spoiler section. So if you haven't seen it and you care about spoilers, you're going to want to jump off. But until that point, ride with us. Um, so Justice League, um, <sighs> open the floor. What do you guys think? Pete, you want to start us off? I'll oh, start with Marco, an anecdote. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so I went into the movie. Um, I could only find a ticket for like the last showing at the Union Square Theater, the Regal. Um, so you know you spent some bucks in New yeah. York City for those who don't in, know. Yeah. Um, 
So before that, I had to kill time, right? I don't want to stay in the office. Couldn't go all the way back home and then come back. So I uh, went to a bar with my girlfriend. Got hammered. Um, then went then went into the movie. Uh, and for those of you who <laughs> who who would who would like to see the the uh, the results of that, you, you can go check out Twitter because I was trying to live tweet it and then I fell asleep for a sec and then I started and then I just kept watching the movie. I like, I hate, I hate that you live tweeted a movie in a movie theater on our account. It's just like, so you're yeah. just live documenting you being a jackass. Yep. That jackass who has his phone out. I would have screamed at you in public. No, I, I had my like, I had my like, like my, my jacket over me. So I was like in my little thing. No. Like, like no, this. No, 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 no. Not I, better. I cannot condone any of this. I cannot condone any part of this. I cannot sanction your buffoonery. I was going to delete the tweets, but I wanted to leave them up so that we could, like, razz you about them and people could go look. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, that's why. Open floor. Go, go look at that, guys. And if you see it, please crucify him. As I was, uh, that's Mr. at Mr. Marco Animoto on Twitter. Thank you. As I was, uh, Try, dealing with the development of all of this, I was trying to figure out how to negate it. And I was trying to figure out, can you turn off your own Twitter feed? Like, if I log into the comics files, can I just turn it off for a minute? Like, <laughs> can, can I just block Marco's access to it for, like, the next 30 minutes? <laughs> Honestly, the most succinct way of summarizing it is how Sean described it in our own personal chat. It read like the ravings of an insane person. <laughs> um, <That was> weird. <laughs> um, so, but hey, overall, hey, Marco? Yeah? Don't tweet in movie theaters. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's um, weird. It's weird that I have to tell you that on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Justice League. So, I was really impressed by the animation. I really like Superman and Hot Girl and the Martian Manhunter. All right, enough from you, uh, Marco. <laughs> do you want to give us your thoughts since you were speaking anyway? Uh, so, I think that overall, for me things seemed muddled um and that's not just because like i fell asleep for a portion of it <laughs> like 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 usually if you do that you know like you you can follow the story i couldn't and then my, my girlfriend also fell asleep during parts i was saying kayla's before we started but like on the uber ride home we're trying to like piece together the parts that we each were awake for and like <laughs> figure it out but the uh, no spoilers, but like there w didn't seem to be a plot, or it was super thin. Um, and yeah, like it's hard, like, it's hard to it's hard to give spoilers when you don't know what you're watching. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> so like other than that, um, some of the cinematography was like it was okay. Um, I didn't like that even for some of the simpler shots, they still use CG CGI on some on some of the characters. Um, I felt like that could have been avoided to make, to just with, um, like actual, the actual actors there and like just put his green screen in there. Um, some of those were like, I felt wasted shots. Uh, and then, um, I mean, other than that, I gave it like a, it wasn't terrible. Like, really like a six, five. Oof. Wow. All right. What's up, Kale? 
Uh, so, t- yeah, to kind of follow Marco's point, uh, I saw it before everybody else because I live in New Zealand, and apparently that's how things work here. <laughs> um, well, you live in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm uh, roughly a, a day and a half ahead, or like three quarters of a day ahead. Um, so I went and saw it for you guys. I guess it was Wednesday. Uh, I... I didn't want to tell you how I felt about it, but Marco asked. And so what I said was, I legitimately don't remember any of it. Not because I was drunk or high or anything. I just like, for me, like there was nothing to hold on to. The the thing that stands out the most for me is the scene where they're standing around in the bat warehouse and Aquaman has that weird scarf. There's a lot of really legit scarves in this movie, actually. I just like, like the scarf game in this movie is really strong. I will say, yeah. So, like for me, there's very little to latch onto. I think the the plot was barely there. Um, like because I've read the Jeff Johns Jim Lee Justice League origin story, and I've saw the you know Justice League War cartoon, I knew what they were going for. But I mean. It, for me, it really felt like, you know, they took out Green Lantern. They took out Shazam. Uh, they made Cyborg brood even more somehow. <laughs> and they, again, continued to sexualize Wonder Woman. Um, and, like, that sucked. That part sucked. Especially going from Wonder Woman. Uh, How did they sexualize Wonder Woman? There was a lot of gratuitous ass shots of Diana, yeah. which you did not yeah, get like in I, the Wonder like, Woman film. And not to, I don't know, not to get too graphic. I like, I saw a butt flap. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's there's that scene where they shoot um, all of them getting off of that shuttle, and it's like you get this like kind of like upskirt upskirt shot of her, and like you see her ass, and I was kind of like, oh wow, like that never happened in yeah. Wonder Woman. Or when, yeah, Bruce Wayne and Barry come off the plane, it's like positioned just at her waist and looking up so you're just staring at her ass the whole time and it's like you stare at all their asses but it's like you see up her skirt whereas like like, it's for them they're just in costumes yeah Yeah. like the angle the angles that they that they got on this just raise it up like six inches the the long box boys said it best like everyone in this movie wants to fuck diana and that sucks I mean, like, it's just like, and I don't, yeah, coming off, coming off of uh, Wonder Woman, that, that really sucked. Um, Gal Gadot, consistent for the character, uh, really great characterization, but um, uh, yeah, her, she, she really got shafted. Um, I, I found that uh, Henry Cavill had three good Superman scenes in the 15 minutes that he was in the movie. What do you mean? He's not in the movie. <clears throat> More spoilers. I mean, he's on the poster. I don't think. <laughs> he's, a, he's also in the, uh, there's like stand up things in movie theaters with Superman in yeah. them. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, I'm just giving you shit. I, you know, I, I'm fine with what you said. I just wanted to give you shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't. T- I couldn't tell if you were trying to, you know, ref me out or. <laughs> um, a lot of people like Barry Allen in this movie. I c- I couldn't stand him. I couldn't stand him. Um, 
and I I hate to be this guy, but like Grant Gustin for me is the perfect Barry Allen, and uh, Ezra Miller just he was fine for what he was given. I think he he seems like a really good good guy, good actor. Um, but this portrayal of Barry Allen just made him just an annoying piece of shit. Like I was not here for it. Um, overall, uh, Ste- Steppenwolf, uh, uh, again, cardboard cutout, like there was nothing, nothing to him. Barely had motivation. Ah, I No, I guess that's not true, but his motivation was cardboard thin. Overall, like I give it three and a half. Out and of ten. Like, out of I ten? Out of ten. Yeah, okay. Just wanted to make sure. Uh. No, out of a hundred, <laughs> <laughs> out out of three, right? <laughs> and that's like, I like I I can't even say I didn't like the movie. I legitimately left the movie theater going. Well, I paid for parking, so I better get out. Like that's it. I I I my overall feelings aren't positive for sure. But they weren't negative, huh? Like they, like I'm, I was apathetic to this movie completely. Right. Yeah, I get Let's, that. Let's um, Phil go next. So, I mean, the reality is this isn't a good movie. That's just what it is. Uh, I can't defend the movie at all because I mean, it's not a good movie. That being said, however, I enjoyed it for the most part. Um, I uh, it was better than I expected. I should say uh, I went in expecting a real piece of dog pile, and honestly, it was like there was no plot. The villain was terrible. The CGI looked bad in a lot of scenes, but uh, I surprisingly enjoyed the character interactions. Uh, I thought this was the best Superman we've seen in any movie in thirty fucking years, which is insane. Um. I walked away and I was just pleasantly surprised. And I think it's because I expected the worst, honestly. Um, to give it a score, I'd probably, on a good day, it's a six and a half out of ten. On a bad day, it's like a five out of ten. Pete? Yeah, I, I pretty closely echo Phil's sentiments. I remember, you know, there was a lot of moments, like him and I saw it together. You know, he's, he's visiting me this weekend. And, um, you know, I, there was a lot of moments that I remember like groaning at, but there was a surprising amount of moments that I remember that definitely worked for both of us too. And, uh, I would say like for a score, I would say probably again, a good day, a six, five bad day, a six. Um, I think the movie is definitely not, not good, but it's also not bad. It's like aggressively mediocre. And I think like it has moments where it flirts with goodness. There are character interactions that I think work well. Some of the comedy's good. Um, and I thought uh, there's definitely a lot of problems I had with some of the CGI. But I think the like actual uh, fight choreography, some of that was was not bad. I think the final act of the film is actually the strongest part about it. Which is like weird, a weird because a lot of times I feel the opposite. You know, if there's a really good superhero movie with lots of strong characterization and then a big dumb CGI fight at the end, it kind of ruins it. But considering this movie's really, really weak in terms of plot, uh, 
the big dumb CGI fest where it's nothing but quips and punching is actually kind of a, a good time. Um, so I think it's like, if you go in with low expectations, I think, and you want to see the Justice League on the big screen, you know, fighting, uh, parademons like yeah like there, there's something for you there i think like i i think the best way i can put it is it's a it's a dumb popcorn comic turned into a dumb popcorn movie and if you're down for that you might have a good time with it what's what's frustrating is that there's a great movie somewhere in this mess yeah yeah i think you could see that there there's a, a way that this could have been a lot more satisfying um I will say in terms of like the cast specifically, like uh, I thought the Ezra Miller flash like definitely worked for, for me and Phil. We got a kick out of that. Um, I remember talking about coming out of it. Uh, I like Ben Affleck's Batman again here. Um, I thought it was a lot better than in BVS. Um, I'm a big fan of, of Gal Gadot's portrayal of Wonder Woman. Um, I thought the Superman moments were really strong. I think Aquaman and Cyborg landed for me a little less. I think Aquaman had a few moments that were good, but he seemed a little underutilized in my mind. Um, and Cyborg, I thought, was just flat as a character. I really didn't find much to connect with him there. And um, his story was kind of told in the background, but I don't feel like it really ever went anywhere meaningfully. And his connection to the plot isn't super well explained. And it, it just, it, it was one of the many things that felt very sloppy and kind of shoehorned into a story that, I don't know. It was a disservice for a character like like Cyborg. Yeah, in my, yeah, in my, in my I, opinion. I think so. I think so. Um and I think I, I that's kind of the problem with it is that like to Kale's point there isn't anything to hold on to because the movie is made to make the movie not because there was a reason to make the movie. Um but I think in spite of that there there are moments here to enjoy, I think. Yeah. So for me, uh, I went into this movie only really caring about seeing the Justice League together. That's I just wanted to see these characters on screen at the same time. I already knew the villain was bad. I already knew there were there were a bunch of different problems, but I just wanted to see these characters. And on that level, it worked really, really well. Um, I thought there was a great chemistry between this cast. Yeah. Uh, and these characters and, and the writers really did a good job of establishing their relationships in a two-hour movie that has to establish a lot of other things, too. Uh, so now, yeah, there are some characters here who have legitimate friendships or legitimate bonds that I could see carrying over into future projects uh, that give me feelings of, you know, like a comic book in a lot of ways. Um, and they did a really good job of doing that in the constraints that they had. I would say that everything else about the movie doesn't work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> everything else is flawed and to some degree, whether it's just sort of flawed or really, really bad. Uh, but that being said, I still had a good time. I enjoyed it. I had fun. It was cool to see these characters together. Uh, I liked the soundtrack Hearing the, th these are not spoilers, hearing the Batman 89 theme in the movie was so awesome. Hearing Superman's original theme was an incredible uh, moment for me, and I really loved what they did on that front. Danny Elfman is a, is a beast. Um, and John Williams with the Superman. Yeah, yeah, but mm -hmm. I, well, da well, Danny Elfman right, right, right. scored this film, so. Uh, 
Uh, all the actors, I think, did a really good job. The, the principal uh, actors, the main cast, did a really good job. Uh, there wasn't any character that I disliked. I thought Batman was underutilized, but that was fine because he's Batman. We already know what the deal is. Uh, and then with Cyborg, you guys didn't like him. I liked him a lot. I liked him more than I've ever liked him before because he is a, he's very different than the rest of them. And that's what I liked. He's a different kind of character with different problems who sees himself not as a monster, but as something he can't even process. And what, what he's going through is interesting. Uh, I love the Flash. I thought the Flash was funny. Yes, they did make him into like a Peter Parker type character, which Wally is West. not. Sorry? He's very Wally West. Right. Which, you I don't know, even think he's Wally West. I think he's Bart Allen. I, 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 at any rate, I was cool with that because I think the movie needed that. And he was a, he's, Ezra Miller is very charming. Uh, and yeah. that worked for me on every level. So as for a score, I would say that this movie is a six. Uh, and I wish that I felt better about it, but I'm also not, I, I didn't have a horrible time, but it, it is the flimsiest movie that I've ever paid to see in my life in terms of plot. It, there's nothing there at all. Even though this movie is so fragile, it still feels like the franchise is inching toward the right direction. Yeah, I agree with you. I would agree with that. So that's going to do it for our spoiler-free section. Uh, Be- before we get ahead. into that, can I just say, uh, Ray Fisher Cyborg <clears throat> is is Phil Lamar's voice. Yeah, personified. what the hell? Like, so Phil Lamar is he's a he's a renowned um, voice actor. He did John Stewart and uh, Static Shock. To name just a, a couple of his Samurai super Jack. superhero properties, yeah, Samurai Jack, Samurai Jack. Uh, he uh, he's notoriously got like a, a really good, like deep, authoritative voice. And uh, there were a couple of moments in this film where uh, Ray Fisher, who plays Cyborg, sounded just like Phil Lamar. To which I thought, man, they wasted Ray Fisher. He should have been Green Lantern. <laughs> So, all right, so let's jump into the uh, spoiler section. Again, we're going to spoil everything, so if you care about that, now would be a great time to jump off. Uh, so, what were the problems or things that you liked about the the pacing, execution, plot, stuff like that? The first act of the movie is fucking a slog. Like, I... There's just not much going on, and, like, there's so much just jumping around between a bunch of characters, two of which we don't even know, you know? And it's, like, it it treats at, like, I remember feeling the entire time that it's, like, yeah, this really feels like it wants to be a sequel to two movies that haven't even, or three movies that haven't even come out, you know? And it's, like, I know who Wonder Woman and Batman are, and I they have baggage. Like, I can pick somewhere up with them, but, like... I'm being introduced to these characters for the first time and it's just like it's a lot going on. Uh and I don't I don't feel like it does a particularly good job of showing us who they are in a way that's at all entertaining. Yeah, if you if you compare it to the opening and introductions to the characters of 
of uh, Suicide Squad. Um, at least Suicide Squad's opening was like semi entertaining, and it's short. Like it was, it was, <laughs> it was. Well, it, but there are two of them. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like, it was, it was visually interesting. You know, this, this, this just felt like a lot of jumping around to stuff that didn't really make a lot of difference. So the idea of recruiting characters is not something that is un- unusual in film. In fact, two of the greatest films in in history of cinema, Seven Samurai and The Magnificent Seven, the original one, uh, the whole plot is about recruiting people to save a town, right? And that's not an unusual thematic device. The thing with Justice League is they do such a sloppy job of that. And the reality is, I don't think you really need to do much to introduce these characters, just because... You don't do that in those movies. I think the point is, like Sean, you go into the see this movie because you just want to see all the characters team up and be the Justice League. You can save the exposition for the solo Flash film, Cyborg, Aquaman, whatever. But the point is, you could do the bare minimum of introducing these characters and it'd be okay. But I felt like they tried to have their cake and eat it too. And as far as structurally speaking, I mean, it, it is what it is. The movie's a mess. Uh, so, if we're talking about the opening, I really vehemently disliked the first scene with Batman and the first scene. The first scene with Wonder Woman was less bad, but that scene with Batman was absolutely horrible. So He, he let the dude walk. He Okay, so first of all, yes, he let the dude walk. So, when it starts, it's really cool because he's like swinging around. I like all that stuff. That's like Batman stuff. But then he... <laughs> But then he, like, has him hanging over the edge of the building, and a guy's like, what do you want from me? Why would anyone ever say that, right? Like, why would he say, what do you want from me? Obviously, you are robbing. Batman is a superhero. He wants to stop you. You don't have to ask what he wants from you. It's apparent. And he then wants Batman's- justice. <laughs> right. And then Batman's answer is even more terrible because he's like, fear. I can smell it. That is so awful that I I really was like, okay, wow, this movie's gonna be worse than I thought it is. It's like, oh, here we fucking go. <laughs> uh, and then, and then the parademon happens to be hanging around and comes to attack them, which obviously uh, they 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 kind of explain later uh, that the parademons are attracted to fear or fear fear calls to them or whatever. Um, and that's why the parademon came, but why was it in the area? What a what an extreme coincidence that it happened to be in the area that Batman was doing this. Well, it was awful. I, I think I think the reason Batman was hanging him off the cliff is because he knew the parademon was there and was trying to attract it. And that's what the whole fear thing was. Are you saying that legitimately? Yeah, I think that's legitimately they were trying how to would, do. How would Batman know that that w- would work? He's Batman. Because he was the whole time he was like exploring parademons and trying to attract them and like what their weaknesses was. My impression was he was trying to catch a parademon. How did he know but that also, they existed? And also how they've been did, popping up for a while. Yeah. And also what was his plan to get it before he came across this robber? I think that was the plan was yeah. to use the robber as a guinea pig. Yeah. That's right. 
So, like, his plan was just, uh, what time is it? Oh, nine o'clock? Yeah, somebody's robbing something now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's even I mean, worse. Yeah, I, I'm not disagreeing with uh, you. I'm just saying, I think that's what he was doing. Yeah. But isn't there always someone robbing something in Gotham? Like, come on. I'm not no, defending I mean, pro- it. It's sloppy like, and it's messy, probably, but I think that was the like, point. The fact that there was somebody robbing something in Gotham is not a problem. The problem is that, that this worked. So why, like... The parademon was just floating around Gotham, like, "Hey, you know, I'm looking for somebody who's scared," and then, and then this happens to work out for Batman. You could go, like, it's just whatever. I don't want to belabor that point too much, but it was very silly. <laughs> no, and no, you're, you're right. That, <laughs> and then after that, he gets into a whole dialogue with this thief, who all of a sudden has very philosophical things <laughs> to say about. What's happening? And is it because he's gone? And the he, of course, playing the pronoun game, the he is Superman. Is it because he's gone? What do they want? Is it an alien attack? All this, all this stuff. Like, who are you? Batman should have punched his lights out, brought him to jail, and moved on. Why are you talking to this person? That was so stupid. Also, like, why and would then he the- just fucking leaves? And also, why would the criminal go up to talk to Batman about what happened? As soon as Batman stops hanging you off a building, get the fuck out of there. Excuse me, Mr. Batman, I'd like to wax uh, philosophically with you for a second here. Yeah, it's like, please, I would take the money that I was trying to steal and climb off the fucking building while he fights a demon or whatever. Right. Uh, And then I felt similarly about the Wonder Woman scene. It wasn't as bad, but it just felt like a, a leftover scene from the Wonder Woman movie as opposed to having really anything to do with this movie and the story that they were trying to tell. Uh, and I also don't think Wonder Woman really needed to be reestablished. We already get what she is and who she is. That's time with both scenes. Well, the Batman scene, I understand. You got to establish the parademons, whatever. But you could have used that time to spend more time with the characters we don't know as well. Um, Actually, hold on. I uh, I sort of have an issue with this scene and the way they portray her later. So she later on tells Cyborg that she disappeared for a hundred years and then like basically insinuates that it was because she lost Steve Trevor. And then after that, Bruce Wayne insinuates the same thing. Am I wrong? Yes. Uh, okay. So what what they were saying was that so okay Batman Superman uh, it's established that she had been gone for one hundred years. This movie right. retcons that she was out of the public eye for one hundred years. She wasn't interacting on a like social level with humans or anything like that. But she was still doing Wonder Woman stuff as Wonder Woman. Okay, yeah, see, that's that's my gripe, because what I got from this movie, having not seen BVS, but saw Wonder Woman, at the end of Wonder Woman, it looks like she's jumping off the building because she saw the Wonder Woman signal, and she's got to go Wonder Woman. The opening scene with Wonder Woman has her, you know, stopping a bank robbery, blah, blah, blah. But then every other scene, it, they make it sound like she just disappeared because she was upset that Steve Trevor died. They meant until the events of BVS. Like, she's been back in the public eye now, but when Batman made that insinuation, he was saying, like, where were you all that time? Like, you're talking about, you know, he, like, basically is trying to, like, get a rise out of her, you know, and push her. Right, but she also confirmed that in her conversation with Cyborg. Yes, but again, so... 
she she wasn't a public figure. She was like doing stuff like, oh, World War Two's happening or whatever. I'm gonna like a World War or the Cold War. I'm gonna like be subversively helping to stop evil. I'm not right, gonna come is- out and say I'm Wonder Woman. I'm the best. I'm going to save you guys. Like, we see her taking pictures or whatever, like, talking to people in her costume and stuff like that. In this movie, she wasn't doing those things back then. Until Batman Superman, she sees a need to sort of reveal herself publicly. That's what Mm. they're talking about. Boy, yeah, I didn't get that at all. But but again, it's it's a retcon. So that's part of why it's a little weird, is because... Batman Superman establishes something different than what we just said. Um, so in terms of the pacing, did you feel like the movie was paced well? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Uh, yeah, not really. Like, again, the 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 beginning really sucks. Um, I, I I remember my my feelings about the movie were like sitting in it right in the opening few scenes. Most of my reactions were turning and looking at Phil and being like, <sighs> and just heavy sighs or laughing at things that weren't supposed to be funny. Middle way through the movie, I was like, "How do I fucking feel about this? Like, is this like like what you know? Like, is am I, am, is this leaving any impression on me?" And then at the end, I was like, "Yo, this 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 is fun." So it's like, yeah, the last like 20 minutes or whatever are pretty solid and everything else is like not great. Yeah, the the middle to me felt like it lost the plot a little bit with the the Steppenwolf stuff because it was... Yeah, because it gets to be about like bringing the band together and it's like... Well, yeah, bringing the band together and bringing Superman back to life. Right. Like if they made the movie about that, I could have got behind that. Like, Let's talk about that because I felt like that was the most random thing <laughs> that could have happened, especially considering that Batman Superman establishes visually or at least gives you the impression that he's not he's not like dead dead. That he's that not he's, he's not would you say he's not super dead? <laughs> right. I almost said that actually. <laughs> Uh, that, that there's that, that something's going on, right? Yeah. So why did they need to use the mother box to bring him back? Uh, that was super weird. And then when he reses, it's like, okay, are you Bizarro? Like, are you what are you? What are you now? Uh, Aquaman's like, oh, you lose something when you come back. Okay, so he lost it, then he found it again when he spoke to Lois Lane. Like, that's not that's not stupid. I guess it's not like. Like, I get that, but it's just like, come on, man. It's just why the execution could- of it is so fucking sloppy. Yeah. Right. It's like there's why- no explanation for why anything is fucking happening. It's like, we need to do this because it's the only thing. And if uh, 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 he's back, uh, it's like, it's just a bunch of shit just keeps happening. And then there's resolution. So the thing that's interesting about that scene is, in my head, wanting to bring Superman back who they do say isn't dead dead like there is a throwaway line there but the thing yeah, yeah. is you would you would want to feel like you're backed into a corner and you absolutely need to bring superman back because there's no other way and to me the five justice leaguers at that point i don't feel like they're backed into a corner like yeah there are global stakes on the line but it doesn't feel like they are so desperate because they've been outmatched and outwitted or defeated by steppenwolf that's like all right well this is our last solution they barely have a confrontation with steppenwolf and instead of like 
trying to take him on as they are they're like you know what fuck it we need superman i i just fucking know it when honestly i think if the five of them just fought steppenwolf it would have been a slog and a hard fight but i think they probably still would have won it's- yeah right and i feel like they try to play up batman's guilt into the reason of why he really wants to bring superman back of like i mostly just feel responsible for the fact that he's dead and like and also the whole thing of like he's a symbol and we need him and like whatever and it's like again like it feels like there's like three explanations for why we're bringing Superman back to life but it's also just I don't know and 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 a, and a you said interesting thought here it's that if Superman was the embodiment and representation of hope and there's no hope in this world thematically it would have been great for the Justice League to rise up to Superman's example and to create hope in the world and the fact that the Justice League exists. But instead, Without, it's like, yeah. nah, man, we need Superman because he's literally hope. So, uh, this is this is anecdotal, but uh, after the movie, my girlfriend, who also saw Batman Superman, did not understand why Batman felt guilty. And I had to explain to her that uh, it made no sense because... <laughs> <laughs> because oh, oh hey Rebecca I don't know either <laughs> yeah like Batman, okay so Batman didn't kill Superman uh yes the kryptonite spear was his instrument but Superman actually used that to kill Doomsday so it actually negates the value of Superman's sacrifice in that movie that Batman would feel guilty if anything if I were Superman and I resurrected from the dead, I'd be like, man, you know, uh, sorry, Batman. I was really dumb. I should have given this spear to Wonder Woman and let her handle it instead of me trying to be the hero and killing myself because that's what he did by using a spear that had kryptonite on it, weakening him so that they could kill him. Batman didn't do anything wrong. So they're, they're creating this guilt that Batman all of a sudden feels, which is inappropriate because Doomsday was going to happen no matter what. Superman was going to fight him no matter what, and he was going to die no matter what. That's how it had to happen. So Batman's guilt is silly. Also, on the subject of the resurrection, I think Phil is 1000% correct. Uh, there's no moment where they're kind of like, or, or maybe there wasn't, I forgot, uh, but, there's no moment where they're like, man, shouldn't we just let him rest in peace? Like, it, it, it feels like they kind of hem and haw a little Wonder bit. Woman, Wonder Woman does do that. Wonder Woman's just kind of like, no, like, maybe he, like, she, I think, says, like, maybe he's, like, Aquaman, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Aquaman says don't do it. But he's more, like, afraid. Yeah. Like, Wonder Woman straight up says, like, maybe he's at peace. And like, right. Yeah, that was when, that was when Batman made the shitty Steve Trevor joke that basically reduced Wonder Woman's character to... Uh, a, a widow like I just I just felt like because um, other other examples of a resurrection like this there's always that that sort of feeling of like you know we're robbing this person of peace and that's that's heavily uh, utilized and I felt like they didn't really go there in a way that that I would have liked uh, Wonder Woman mentions it I guess there's some hemming and hawing but it felt like a decision that was not even required, and then because of that, the stakes and the drama wasn't as high as it could have been. Batman didn't have a great enough reason to be like, let's absolutely do this. Batman had a throwaway line where he was like, he'll get over it. In regard to, most of be pissed that you woke him up? I, I, right. like, I have to say, Batman had a couple really good one-liners like that, though. Like, that was, I thought, pretty great. Like, it's like, oh, like, don't you feel kind of bad about what we're doing? It's like, yeah, but, like, fuck it. 
It's like, oh, okay, fine. Like, <laughs> right. Um, and like, then- if, they, if if they'd managed to pull off this resurrection in the middle of like the big Steppenwolf fight, it would have worked a lot better. Yeah, the, like just from yeah. a stakes, like. It was very clear in this movie that Steppenwolf was not a threat to Superman. As soon as Superman showed up, he fucked shit up. And I was completely fine with that because it's like, yeah, Superman. This is fucking Steppenwolf. But Great, uh, great. This movie can finally end. <laughs> uh, but you're right. If, if Superman came back during the fight, it would have worked better in a, in a pl- plot sort of way. But, in a dramatic yeah. sense, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I wanted to bring up the scene where Superman does come back to life and he's confused because he's not really of sound of mind because he's just been re- resurrected it's kind of like the lazarus pit when like Rachel ghoul comes out or whatever you're just kind of mindless for briefly i love when all of them are fighting superman all at once and the flash is running and superman just turns his head in slow motion <laughs> that fucking reaction and the flash is like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> that was so fucking funny yeah i just wanted to comment that was that was a great little scene that was the only moment I like thought one of the Flash's jokes landed. Oh, I I, I really liked the Flash on this. I really did. So I I, I wanted to talk about, uh, and we should probably speed speed it up just a little bit. But I wanted to talk about the team dynamics. Um, I felt like with the Justice League, there were some really interesting and fun dynamics between characters. I'll just throw out a couple of examples of the ones that I uh, liked. I really liked the relationship between Flash and Wonder Woman. I, I liked the, the scenes that they had together. Uh, Flash and Cyborg. By the end of the movie, they're kind of like friends. They got the Vespa. We got to see them grave digging together, which was <laughs> weird. Um, <laughs> that, that was such a funny scene, too. Like, I don't know, just their, like, play of him being this, like, awkward, jokey guy and Cyborg just is, like, still very, like, kind of... I'm Robot Man. Yeah, like, he's like, I'm definitely, like, I- I'm in this weird between human and computer space. And he's just like, no, no, it's, it's all right, that's cool. We're not there yet, man. It's That's okay. <laughs> and, I, and I thought that they did a really good job. So I felt very contrary to you guys, whereas you guys f- saw sexual tension between characters. I saw Wonder Woman as the caretaker of the group. And she is that in the comics as well. Um, she's, she's very sort of... Uh, she, she, she looks over them and makes sure that everybody's good. And they established that well here, I thought. Um, I liked her and Batman as kind of like, go ahead, Kale. I see you disagree. Uh, I, they established that well for Wonder Woman. I don't think they established that for the other characters. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, I don't get that from Cyborg and Superman with Wonder Woman, but Flash and Batman and Aquaman with Wonder Woman, for sure. Like from a like from a male gaze perspective. Yeah, well, there's that scene where Aquaman is tied up by the rope and he's like, "Oh, you're hot and beautiful" or whatever. And then there's the scene where Flash is like, "Oh, oh, she's so attractive," and he like falls on top of her for a split oh, yeah. second. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's like awkward all the about it. Hinted romantic subtext between Batman and Wonder Woman. Like she was definitely treated as like she's the attractive woman on the team. Okay, all right, but let but but. She is. So Aquaman <laughs> saying that when she when he has the lasso on is not weird. Like, yeah, she is hot. He's gonna say that. Yeah, I, I gotta agree with Sean on this one. Like, I, I agree that I think the flash scene was needless. That to me is needless sexualization of Wonder Woman. I think like 
the characters admiring her is not like I don't think that's like I don't think that has to be sexualizing her. I don't think that she needs to have romantic tension with every character and I think um this stuff between like her and Batman is like unnecessary. But like I I, I agree I don't feel like there's that vibe with her and Superman at all and not Cyborg either for that matter, but the Flash stuff I feel like it totally makes sense with the character the way he's portrayed, right? Like Sean made a comparison between him and Peter Parker and I feel like him being the young kid like wouldn't wouldn't you in that scenario look up to diana and like be enamored with her because she's a fucking beautiful and be this incredibly powerful person you know like and not just like as a fucking um you know a, a goddess but also like as a leader in these scenarios too like i don't know i i, and, I buy that and like like yes you're i don't tell my coworker or boss that she's hot the only person who does that is aquaman and it's literally only with the rope scene though and like yeah he has the lasso on him yeah and like but that's like, the whole point of that in regards to the subtext it. and i to a degree i think you're right about when barry and and diana first first meet i i think i i do think yeah that first meeting would absolutely be he would be awestruck and tongue-tied blah 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 but and I, I'm not even making this, you know, the situation where he falls on her. I, it's not a, a fault of the Flash. It's a fault of the movie. Yeah, yeah, because I, I don't think that, like, him pushing her out of the way didn't need to be played for sexual tension. And that's that, to me, is a, an example of what you're talking about. I don't think that the Aquaman scene is an example of that. That's all I'm saying. I I don't know. Uh but yes if, he's no. got, if he's got the lasso on, what's he going to say? I sleep with fish. Why, why, why did it have to go there? Because he was just telling his truth at that moment. And that was part of his truth. If, if, if he's looking okay, at well, her. Why, but why was that his truth looking at her? Because it is. Because it is. Why didn't, why didn't he say that about Bruce Wayne? Why didn't he say that about Bruce Wayne? Wait, a, how do you know? Because that's what they showed us in the movie, dude. Yeah, dude, it's because <laughs> like, Aquaman's a straight what? man in this. Like, you know, I, I, I guess, I, I guess where Kayla and I are coming from is just like that. For us, wasn't necessary, and even though the character would say something like that, like you don't, he, you don't have to write that for that character with that interaction in that scenario. You could write something else, and that's okay. But for the context of the character, like writing that, sure, it makes sense, but we're coming from a, like we can disagree on the perspective of whether or not it's like necessary yeah i hear that I, I for me for me it's it's the same move as flash following on wonder woman like it's just it's a fault of the movie that it didn't need to be there to make that moment funny so i totally i sympathize and agree with that but you know what i really liked since i don't want to shit on everything <laughs> is the flash and superman scenes all of them like where they save the the pedestrians? Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. That's, oh my god. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, where he just pushes the car and then he's like he goes to turn around and Superman's pulling an entire fucking billy. He's just like ah, like damn it. <laughs> that was fantastic. Or the mid credits. I really scene. loved him here. Were they going to race? That that dynamic is like it's one of the three good Superman scenes like you know the 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 race and then the moment we get to see him laugh with Cyborg. Oh, that was awesome. Man, that's super that's Superman. That's Dude, Superman. I like, love. What's hard about that? I fucking love that. Where it's like he pulls it apart and he's like, or he's like, I think we can handle." It. He's like, "Good, I like living." And then after the impact, he's just like, "Never mind. I wish I was dead." Like, yep. <laughs> and he, was just he makes Cyborg laugh. The guy who's like very broody. 
That's Superman. That moment with Superman was so like crazy for me to hear like especially for him to go no yeah this is legit i'm all about life and then for for (laughs) superman at who you know like they even say he's the most human person for him to actually go no i want to be dead this this is awful this is the worst thing yeah was the best yeah I, I honestly, like, I like the Superman stuff. I'm with Phil on this. Like, I thought that the, uh, like, even that one scene, like, one of his best one-liners for me was when, you know, he comes back and, uh, I, I think it's Wonder Woman and Cyborg are fighting. What's the fucking villain's name? I don't even remember his Steppenwolf. name. Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf. Because fuck him. <laughs> he was so lame. Um, Steppenwolf. And, and he's just like, he's like, oh, is this guy still bothering you? And then he just <laughs> fucking whoops his goddamn ass and just, like, just... Just that's it. Like he the puts one, two. The, he puts the pound on him, and it's kind of it. Like <laughs> so, uh, I had big big problems with Stephen Wolf Stephen Wolf's portrayal here. So uh, I'll, I'll lay out a few of the reasons. Um, one is that he's it, it's it's a little bit unclear. I got something from it, but we'll see if if you guys also got this. It's a little bit unclear what he's doing, yeah. how, <laughs> why he's there. So um, what I interpreted is that because he failed in the past on earth when he was stopped by the amazons the atlanteans and the humans because the he was fucking stopped green lanterns because that was the coolest thing yeah I, before you go into great detail the flashback scene was very cool i thought that was really cool with all the gods awesome. yeah, and everything like solid. i was all about that yeah so uh because he was stopped i interpreted that dark side exiled him from apocalypse who knows where he was at the mother boxes summon him back as if they have agency of their own to reunite them together. Uh, why they have the ability to do that is beyond me. Unclear. And it's not explained, and it's very weird. Um, and so he wants to, to accomplish that, to d- raise Earth so that Darkseid will accept him back into his good graces. Is that what you all got? Yeah, he made a comment about yeah. wanting to become one of the new gods, so that was the interpretation I got as well. Right. Man, none of the new god shit, mother box shit, dark side shit was explained. None of it made any sense. Awful. Uh, if you are not a Jack Kirby guy or a DC guy, you're going to have no idea what the fuck's happening. And honestly, even if you are, you'll probably have no idea what the fuck is happening. And the reality is, all the Steppenwolf shit sucked, and... That's that, that just is what it is. Did anybody else think he looked like Thanos too? Like I, I just something about his face and the way he talked like made me. I was like, he just looks like skinny Thanos. Uh, his lines were terrible. His lines were awful. But let me let me let me take it back. Let me take it back for a moment. Uh, so then he's built up as this big threat in the fight with all of the people. Right in the flashback sequence, he's dominant. He, he really, he does a great job, and then they kind of, you know, unite, and it's like hundreds of thousands of people or whatever who stop him. Then he comes back, he fights the Amazons, he trounces them, he trounces Aquaman, and all that, and it's like, okay, he's a real threat. When they actually fight him, though, I never got any sense or impression that they were in danger. The only thing he does is he rips off Cyborg's leg, but Cyborg's a robot. It's fine. He's not a, it's not a big deal. Superman beats him up so it'd be like if the Hulk versus Loki in Avengers 1 was the entirety of their battle. Like, if that was the only thing that happened, that's what this was like. And it was it was really bad. I've never seen a more non-threatening villain ever, 
ever in any movie that I've seen that had a villain. The thing that actually bugs me about it, too, is like, this is what I wanted the ending of Wonder Woman to be. Like, I wanted Ares to be that kind of inert kind of villain and just end it. And it was like, that's what we got here, where we needed a bigger threat to justify the Justice League, where it's like Superman could have fucking done this by himself. Like, yeah. if, if the entire movie was, we gotta, we gotta get the Justice League together so we can resurrect Superman, then we can all go home. Like, that's... <laughs> even, even, even if this was a, a Wonder Woman Aquaman team up, it felt like they could have taken him. Like, yeah. if it was a whole movie about them fighting Steppenwolf, honestly... That would have been a better movie. Dude, legit, I feel like just Batman and Wonder Woman could have took taken care of this too. They're like, we need a team or whatever. And it's like, but like, did you? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like Batman could have fucking made some computer program or some shit. I don't know. Like, it just feels like a thing of like, uh, I don't know. I, I gotta be honest. I like Superman just coming in and walloping him. <laughs> I, I mean, it works. It was yeah, legit. Cool. Yeah. It was just like, it cheapened it. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's talk real fast about the supporting cast. It's going to be real fast because there wasn't really much to say about them. You had uh, Lois Lane, who was a plot device again. Ooh, yeah. Thirsty. She's a thirsty girl. That, that joke oh. that joke got a pop in the theater that me and Phil were at. That was yeah, pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, I laughed. Like, just like uh, her fucking face, Amy Adams. Like, I, you know, she doesn't get much, but I do really like her as Lois. Like, it's, I don't think it's her fault. Did you guys know that's an oral sex joke? <laughs> you know, I didn't. Uh, like, legitimate, this isn't a joke. I I had no idea that's what it was. <laughs> oh my god, Kale. I'm not Grandpa! I, I'm, listen. I <laughs> I legitimately I thought it meant like what it means. Like I want like attention. Like I like you know, I was like I had I had no idea. Just wants until, a very until, specific kind of attention. Well, you know what I Je- mean? until until Jess told me, no, it's like a Well when <sighs> I went What? When when you say someone's they put thirsty, that in the movie? it means they want sex. Lots of it. Um, and then of course I think we ha- we also had uh, Martha Kent. Yeah, yeah. Um, she. I. I mean, I guess I liked her stuff. You know. Uh, I don't know. Her two. I, li- I wish two there lines. was more to. S- yeah, I, I wish there was more to say about supporting cast. Alfred. Alfred was there. <laughs> Alfred did some things and made some jokes about Batman not having sex. <laughs> Commissioner Gordon. Gordon was there. That was the most oh. disappointing one because I fucking yeah. love J.K. Simmons and he didn't he like didn't even get anything. Like he got nothing to work with. Like he dumped information and got left on a rooftop and that was like it. My favorite supporting character by far was Cyborg's father. Um I really liked that actor. And I mean, back from Terminator 2, this almost felt like if the guy from Terminator 2 didn't die and he grew up, you know, had a, and his son grew up and he, you know, did this like that's what it felt he like. He was in Smallville, too. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I really liked him and I'm interested to see where they're going to take that dynamic in the Cyborg solo film if it happens. But, you know, this movie didn't have much in the way of supporting characters uh, really at all. Have you read the, the, the Cyborg comics, Sean? Nope. Oh, okay. I was I was saying to Pete after the movie that um, they don't do a great job of establishing Mark Kent and Lois in this movie, or presumably in Batman vs Superman, which I didn't see. But yeah, I was able to fill in the blanks just because, like, I, I read enough books. I know how it's supposed to be, so it's like 
I'll give it some. I'll give it some some slack, knowing context that's not explaining this movie, which is not an excuse, but whatever. Like it, it did. It did feel like a, a mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, like newly married relationship, but it was also still kind of like there's nothing here. Yeah, I mean, they, I don't. They didn't know each other that well. Uh, Superman died before they really got to have that relationship, so that actually worked for me. And I love that the the conversation that they had was more about Lois Lane's career. With Superman's death as a backdrop versus yeah. it being about Superman's death, that was cool. Um, How's that for this fucking shitty movie passing the Bechdel test, <laughs> 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 squeaking right by? <laughs> yep. Ah, uh, uh, they were still talking about Superman in that conversation. They so. mentioned him, but the the convo was definitely about her career, which she, she can't, which she can't do because Superman died. Well, that's. All right, but that's that's the character's issue. That's not the point of that talk. It's grief. The point of that talk ah, is... I don't know. The point of that talk is Ma Kent sort of saying, hey, listen, you were great at what you did. You need to get back on the horse. You're thirsty. Go go get it done. <laughs> and she has this realization of like, oh, okay, maybe you're right. But I'm still feeling... I'm still grieving over the loss of Superman. I thought that worked out great. I, I, I love that. I think Kale's sentimentality is right, but it barely passes the Bechdel test. I, I think, think it squeaks by. I, I, think, I, I would be I would be interested to hear what people more qualified yeah. than us think about that. I think I think the reason it's so bad is because again, this is another thing that is actually undercut because Superman comes back to life. Like if the movie had not had Superman come back and then she wrote a story because she was inspired because the Justice League inspired hope again or whatever and she came back and was like, "I've overcome my grief and I'm going to write my next best story." Like that would or even even if they stuck with no hey whoa no superman's not in this movie what are you talking about no 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 and didn't put him on any of the marketing took him out of the posters if they stuck with that that might have worked um so let's talk about let's talk about the the end i mean there's not a ton to say i guess but uh movie ends it sure um, does. <laughs> it just kind of as ends, they tend honestly. to do. My, my yeah. parking was ten dollars. <laughs> so this movie had like the worst ending of any superhero movie I've seen in a long time because it just ends. There's nothing. <laughs> it was so surprising. Like it was literally just like, oh, oh, okay, we're done. All right, like yeah. I guess. <laughs> yep. Um. And so before we wrap up, let's talk about the the after credit scenes. The the mid one, which was the Flash loved it versus Superman race. Yeah, I, I, loved, I loved that. Any comic book fan worth their salt was so excited about that. That's so cool. That's so quintessential. Even and the, they got it in. The dialogue exchange was so good. Like Superman saying, "Like, well, if I win, you're off the team." <laughs> like that. Yeah. Like I. I don't know. I love that. I. I love their dynamic for sure. And I think. Um, I don't know. I I really like some of the Superman moments. Man. Every Superman like, moment's awesome. I for me for me, especially going into Man of Steel, you know, so many years ago. Um, You're so old, Grandpa. There was like there was like five years ago. That's not that long. Carry on. It is, it is in movie time. Uh, but. Like, I, you know, again, I didn't see BVS, and Man of Steel really ruined my portrayal of Henry Cavill Superman. 
I, I, after seeing these moments, I, I, I do kind of see that Henry Cavill could be a good Superman, but for me, the, he's forever attached to the Zack Snyder DC stuff and it's been ruined for me. That's a shame. That's a damn shame. Um, let's let's table that talk for a little bit uh then we had the final after credit scene which was of course um uh being in the in the uh the prison and trying to get lex luther there's a there's an officer trying to get lex luther's attention he goes over the the person is not lex luther he's some insane person laughing like uh like a hyena uh, and then it cuts to a boat that deathstroke uh, comes on to, meets up with Lex Luthor, and essentially Lex says, hey, Superman has a team. He's back. Uh, shouldn't we have a league of our own? And then it kind of ends there. What'd you guys think about that? I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a decent scene. Deathstroke looks dope. Right? Yeah. His fucking costume is sick. It was amazing. Uh, he's got he's got the Slade Wilson look like that. The hair, the eye patch, and the uh, the the goatee. Yeah, I was, was I was good. all about it, man. I saw that and I thought I can get behind a Deathstroke movie. Yeah, but uh, Luther might be all right. Wouldn't you guys say that that was one of the most uh, accurate costumes ever? Yeah, like it 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 doesn't even look like it's been adapted. Like it just look or you know what I mean, right? Like it's not been movie eyes. It's just like this is just Deathstroke. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. It's a little more robotic, I, but I, I, hmm, I think I would, I would say in term for me, I think it did look movie, movie, movieized. Yeah. Uh, but I think uh, it like as far as movieized costumes go, like it was, it was very good. I think I like the one from Arrow a little bit better. I feel like it's a little bit closer. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I did like it. Like it looked awesome. Um, and then are you guys interested in the prospect of either or both, I guess, a because this is like a Legion of Doom formation type thing. Uh, would you want to see them be the villains of a potential Justice League 2 or do you want to see them get a their own movie? Definitely not their own movie, but I would love to see them be the villains in Justice League 2 because wouldn't that be a good reason to actually have the fucking Justice League? <laughs> I... I would I'd want to see a sequel. Uh, this cast and their interactions made me want to see them in a better movie. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you that. Yeah, uh, I agree with those things. The only problem that I have is how. Okay, so you jump through enough hoops to establish these characters. Now, how are they gonna establish the rest yeah. of the villains that they would have to bring in to make a, a legitimate Legion of Doom? My my thing was that they'll probably do it through. Um, the spinoff movies, so we'll probably see Black Mana in uh, Aquaman, and then my bet is they would use um, Zoom as the Flash villain because Jeff Johns has such a hard on for speedster villains that it's not even funny. I um, feel like the entire thing of like the whole unsolved mystery of Barry's mother's murder too, and everything. Like I'm sure that'll come into play in his movie, and maybe that'll implicate uh, a character like that, you know, an uh, an evil speedster. Whether it's Zoom, yeah, or- I, I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think we'll get one of the Flash's rogues in in the Legion of Doom. I feel like, I feel like this, what I know of this version of Lex Luthor, which is very little, but 
I feel like he would he would go after the the most powerful people, which yeah. would be Zoom, or you know the equivalent. Yeah, and there are there are some other questions like who represents Superman? Is it Lex? Does he put on on the the big mech suit and do battle, or um, is it Brainiac? Um, you know, does he create Metallo? There's like a lot of questions there. Um, is Deathstroke representing Batman's villains, or do they bring in another one? Do we get Cheetah? You know, yeah, uh, lot lots of, of questions. Um, but. Overall, the movie was fun and uh, flimsy. All right, so uh, that's going to wrap up our conversation about Justice League. Uh, let us know what you thought about the movie. If you have seen it, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. You can write in with a random question, a buy or sell, or thoughts about this episode. Um, you can also leave us a rating and a comment on iTunes or your podcast hosting platform of choice. We are on all social media platforms at the Comics Pals. Check us out on there. Um, and of course, we are on YouTube where you can watch all of our exclusive content that we've got on there. In addition to this, which you can like, share with your friends, leave a comment about, and subscribe. Um, as far as YouTube exclusive content, New York Comic Con, that was you know a month ago, uh, but we were there and it was a good time. So check out those interviews. Um, and we've got uh, pals plays that are up and running which are awesome so give those a like and a, and a, a check out if you if you're into those games that we are currently playing pete what are we playing over there uh right now we're going through dishonored life is strange shovel knight super mario odyssey and uh, we've got a couple other ones cooking for you that'll be coming out in the weeks to come that i don't want to spoil but go check them out awesome so yeah super, Ma- super mario odyssey just started didn't it yeah yeah um we're uh have episode two going up this week Cool. So let's do some plugs, Pete. Cool. Um, so again, thank you guys so much for joining us here in another episode of The Comics Pals. Um, you can also check out uh, our sister show, The Video Game Pals with me and Sean, which posts the day after uh, The Comics Pals, and we talk about video games and all that kind of fun stuff, so go check that out. Um, we've also got uh, our other show, The Riverdale Review, with me, Marco, and Kale, where we uh, talk about Riverdale, and um, we usually have a guest on every week. It's a really fun time if you're a fan of the show, so go check that out as well. If you guys want to get some more content from me, you can check out my writing over at CBR.com. Uh, I currently have two articles up that are you know still making me money, one about uh, 15 banned or censored Pokemon cards, and then another one about 15... Um, Basically, just 15 disturbing Disney comics from over the years. So both of them are uh, two I'm actually really proud of. So I would really hope, uh, really like it if you'd go check them out. Help me pay the bills a little bit. And then you can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at loud underscore Pete. Talk to me about Justice League or check out cute pictures of my cat. Awesome. Uh, Kale? You can find my comics at uh, Comixology at Panels Comics. Uh, we are on Facebook and Twitter at Panels Comics. On Twitter, it's Panels Comics with an X. Uh, please buy my, uh, book from the deep. Um, there are two issues of it up now, I believe. Uh, help inspire this career I'm trying to make because I don't want to get a real job. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Inst, on Twitter and Instagram at Toto in Tow. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. Uh, Phil. I saw this really good tweet the other day from comedian Scott Ackerman where he uh, said that the mother boxes in Justice League should have been called Martha boxes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think Sean and I are doing a Survivor Series review uh, this weekend. Uh, 
right? Wow, the the whole reality yeah. show Survivor, huh? Yeah, we're doing a whole series. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that'll be, uh, that'll that'll be, be a interesting. 15 minute episode and then uh, you can check out me on Twitter and Instagram at cyborg b Marco uh, you can find me at Mr. Marco Animoto on Instagram and Twitter um, that's it cool nice uh, and I am on Twitter only at Sean Soapbox. Uh, hit me with those, um, with those hate those best messages shots. Oh. about my rant regarding the defense of Joss Whedon, because I know that it's popular right now to dislike him. Um, and, uh, you know, whatever else you want to talk about. So with that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Bye.